Internets, this portion of the Combat Jack Show is brought to you by Selma. The Academy Award-winning film Selma is now available on Blu-ray Combo Pack and DVD. Selma tells the incredible true story of Dr. Martin Luther King's historic effort to ensure voting rights for all Americans. Selma is from Paramount Pictures, rated PG-13. Mind you, Selma has a 99% Rotten Tomato rating and won an Academy Award for Best Song, Glory, by Common and John Legend. Do yourself and your family a favor and get the Selma Blu-ray Combo Pack or DVD today. This will be the most important DVD you buy this year. Internet, you tune into the Combat Jack Show, the CombatJackShow.com. This week we feature guest Dr. Mark Lamont Hill. If the content sounds a little stale, it's only because we recorded it a week and a half ago, right before the events of Baltimore really kicked off. Um, we had to put another show in, in, in front of it. We recorded the Raekwon episode. Um, so the episode is still very potent. It's very, still very topical. And, and, and Dr. Mark Lamont Hill brings that fire. So stay tuned. Listen to a great episode of the Combat Jack Show. Internets, this portion of the Combat Jack Show is brought to you by our great friends over at Bevel. Bevel, the superior shaving system. Go to getbevel.com, G-E-T-B-E-V-E-L.com, punch in the promo code C-O-M-B-A-T, combat, like me, Combat Jack, to get 20% off your purchases. Listen, it's the most superior shaving system known to man on the planet. Go to getbevel.com, punch in promo code combat, and shave like a man. Internet, you're tuned into the Combat Jack Show, the CombatJackShow.com. What's up, Premium? What's going on, Combat? Oh, man, life is great. First and foremost, man, before we jump into this wonderful episode, I really got to give a shout out to um, Howard University uh, Law School. Mm. Um, I just got uh, selected. I'm very honored. It's, it's official that I will be speaking at this year's um, hooding ceremony, their graduation ceremony. And, uh, you know, it really, really touched me, man. The, the students really listen to the Combat Jack Show. Uh, when names came up as to, you know, who should address them this year, our name came up. My name came up. Yeah. And I was like, y'all, stop playing. You know, I'm not I'm not an academic. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a professor. I'm not this. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, all we do is this little, little podcast. Po- little podcast. But apparently, man, there was such a strong support for us to do it. Um, and I definitely want to give Howard University a shout out. May 9th, I will be down there. I will not let you guys down. When you listen to this episode, please hashtag raise the bar. My personal experience with, with Howard, I didn't graduate from Howard University. I went to uh, Cornell undergrad and, and Georgetown Law. And when I graduated from law school, man, I, I had this false impression that the perfect uh, job would be waiting for me. So for a couple of years, as I hustled through the music industry, I was still looking for that perfect job. And it wasn't until I clicked up with some brothers that, that graduated from, from Howard Law. Um, Ed Woods, mm. who's been on the show a couple of times. Uh, Matt Middleton. Ian Niles. It wasn't until I clicked up with them that I really learned that these cats were so prepared to hit the ground running mm. and hustle. You know what I'm saying? So I owe so much. I've learned, you know, my, my, the lessons that I've learned from HU grads is, is very invaluable. So this is really a big honor for me. I, I thank you guys. Um, and, you know, once again, for anybody that's graduating from law school this year, please hashtag raise the bar. 
Howard, let's do it. Let's go bison. Wait, I want to say congratulations to you. Yes. And I want to say even though I always make fun of the, you know, the tight clothes that you wore back in the day when you were a warrior. Ain't nobody wore no tight well, clothes. Well, the turtlenecks, but, you know. Ain't nobody wore easy. Okay. I want to say that you are uh, an inspiration to a lot of these kids that are coming out of law school. And, and you definitely, you know, are the perfect person to give that speech. And I'm proud of you. Thank you, man. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm so honored to have this guest. On the Combat Jack show, I, you know, we've seen him on, on, on Fox. We've seen him on, on Fox News. We've seen him on CNN. We see him on Huffington Post live. We got the esteemed Dr. Mark Lamont Hill in the building on the oh, Combat man. Jack show. Man, I'm honored to be here, man. Now, thank you so much, sir. Over here, nah, man. Easy, easy, easy. There are we? Now, you think I'm joking, man? How do you know about the show, man? Man, because I, I, I listen to it. Okay. That's the thing. When I, got, when I got somebody telling me, and I got a note, my email saying, you know, come do Combat Jack, I was like, real word? Yeah. Yes, sir. And I don't, I don't do podcasts. I don't do radio. Because, you know, when you do this for a living, the last thing you want to do right. when you go home is do more of it. Right, but I was like, "It's y'all." I mean, this this ain't this ain't work. This is this is an honor. Man. Well, it, it's it's mutual, man. Oh, thank you. Now, brother. listen, man. How many jobs do you have? <laughs> I got too many. <laughs> I got, is it too many, or are you just getting it while you can? I mean, it's a little bit of both, right. man. You know, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm exhausted to okay. be honest these days. But uh, man, I everything that I do, I love doing. Right. So that makes it easier to do. But it's still a lot, man. You know, I do HuffPost Live every day, hosting there, and then I got I host the BET News. So I'm anchoring their news and doing their specials, and I'm at uh, CNN uh, doing political commentary and analysis all the time right. there. Uh, I'm, a I'm a professor at Morehouse College. How often do you teach, man? I mean, I teach every semester. Uh, okay. I teach every week. You every know, week? Every week. My course is every week, yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I teach. Uh, I fly to Atlanta. I commute. I'm commuting between New York, Philly, L.A., and Atlanta every week. I'm in at least three of those cities every week. And um, but I'm doing that, and then I'm traveling, giving 100, 100 to 150 speeches a year, and then I write books. Right. So, I'm just grinding, man. No, well, first and foremost, congratulations, because that you know that 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 in itself is an accomplishment to have all of those opportunities. But how do you manage that shit, B? You know, well, one is you don't sleep right. as much as you might w want to. Right. Uh, I get it. I take care of my body. I, okay. I sleep. I, try, I don't. I try not to do that like one hour sleep thing. I try to get four to five hours of sleep, but right. I, I I don't get eight and ten hours like some people do. That okay. gives me time. You know. Traveling a lot actually gives you more time as a thinker to work. A lot of people think that it's the opposite, but it's not. You know, if I'm, I fly to L.A., you know, that's, that's five hours to read. I fly back, that's four and a half hours to write. Um, when I'm on these trains from New York to Philly, I'm reading and writing and constantly thinking. I multitask, man. I delegate a lot of stuff that, that, that isn't central to what I do. You know, that's the lesson I learned a long time ago was, you know, the things that I do well in the world, I try to focus on that. And the right. stuff that anybody can do, I try to delegate Delegate, that. right, right. You know what I mean? And just and just focus on helping the people, man. And, you know, every day that's what I try to do, wake up and do something that helps the people. Now, when I made the announcement on Twitter that you were going to be on our show, um, I got a couple of swoons from our, from our, from our lady listeners, <laughs> man. Are, are you single? Uh, I got a girlfriend right now. Okay. I should say right now. I got a girlfriend. You, so is, is it I'm really married, serious? I a, because I would, I would imagine, man, that, 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 you're out here, man, and, and these black intellectual fans of yours, man. <laughs> Throwing it's that pussy a lot, at of, you. a lot of moisture going on, huh? That's man, nice. you know, it's like anything else, yes. man. If, 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 he smiled a little bit. Like it, that, you know, it's so like anything else, man. You know, you, you're visible in yes. the world. People, you know, like you and they appreciate what you do and they show love. Um, and I'm grateful for all of the support and love I get. That was real diplomatic. Yeah, that was diplomatic because I will say this. When I, when I was speaking to a couple of my people, especially the girls that I know, 
they were like, yo, listen, they want to throw the pussy at you. I'm dead serious. <laughs> yeah. like, 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 look, I'm like, man, I got to, I mean, when, if you're not with a girl soon, I was like, I got to hang out with this guy, you know, <laughs> forget it. But that's what we do. We roll out and you, I just, I just pass everything to you. Man. Assist. Get him a flow. There you go. Exactly. Now, 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 Mark, can I call you Mark? Yeah, please do. You're from West Philly. I'm from North Philly. North Philly. Grew up in West Philly. Yeah. What's what's One of both? Yeah. What's the difference between West Philly and North Philly, man? Because I I don't I'm I'm a New Yorker. It depends on who you ask, right? Okay. So I ask somebody the difference between Brooklyn and Queens. Right. You know what oh, I mean? Just, okay, that's a big difference. <laughs> you know what I mean? Depending on who you ask right. it, you know what I mean. But I, I'll say this: uh, North, when I grew up in North, I grew up in North Philly for most of my childhood, okay. uh, and uh, North Philly at the time, it still it was the roughest part of the city, right? Uh, but West Philly ain't sweet. Like I mean, West Philly is, is its own thing. Um, my parents got a little bit more money. And were able to move out of North Philly. Right. Um, they stayed a little longer than they needed to. Than they needed to. Because they believed in staying in neighborhoods and investing in places. You know what I mean? But, like, I was the only person in my neighborhood that had parents. Like, both of them. And I was like, you know what I mean? All my, most of my friends either went to jail or died, man. It sounded like the old cliche, but, I mean, it's true. Like, right. most of the most of the cats I know died, man. The, the, the blessing now is at 36. They're coming home. The cats that didn't die, that got locked up, they're coming home now. I just saw one of my homies last week. You know, he he was away for for forever. It felt like right. I just walked in the store and saw him, and it was love. I was like, "This is beautiful." You know what I mean? I'm, we passed the age where we getting murdered as much by each other, right? Uh, mm. You know, I, police is a different thing, but of by course, each other, by each other. You know what I mean? So, so that's the kind of neighborhood I grew up in, where, where you know your friends went away. You know what I mean, people didn't people didn't have money. People had jobs. People sold drugs. You know, when I was, I mean, growing up, I mean, Hunting Park. I grew up in Hunting Park, right. so people from Philly, uh, North Philly, uh, Philly know Hunting Park. You know, we. Nine ten o'clock, we had to go in because everybody started shooting. Like every right. night, every Saturday night, you know, they, people was gonna be shooting. I mean, we played. I was a ball player. We played ball. We couldn't stay out after dark because they would shoot. You know what I mean? But it was also um, a neighborhood where you went up to. Like I was, like my daughter's eleven. I don't let her go nowhere. Like by herself, I wouldn't. And I, and it's crazy because when I was six years old, we would walk mm-hmm. to the store. Yeah. I walked three blocks to the store. I'm six years old. Now, I can't even imagine a six-year-old. Right, that's crazy, right? If, if, you, if I told you a six-year-old six walked, yeah. to, walked to the store, you'd be like, some what issues. you doing? They'd be knocking on your door. Yo, Dyfus is DHS. Somebody <laughs> would be calling you. <laughs> like, services. Why, yeah, why you sent a, a six-year-old to the store? Back then, we did that. Because when I went around the corner, people on that block knew who I was. Right. And if I did something stupid, they would call my mom and come around the corner. So it's all of that. When I moved to West Philly, very similar. You know what I mean? I moved, I was, I moved to a fairly decent working-class neighborhood. Right. It wasn't... A rich neighborhood sweet. or middle class? No, it wasn't sweet, sweet at right. all. But, but because um, it's the same conditions there, the difference was um, it wasn't as extreme, right? You know what I mean? Like the houses weren't abandoned. People didn't have jobs, but the houses weren't abandoned. It, it was, it was more like violent. working middle class it was, as opposed exactly. to like unemployed working class. It, that's you know you see you're smart. That's that's exactly you just <laughs> framed it perfectly. That's the difference between you know where I was in North Philly, where I was in West Philly. But they both raised me. They both produced me, man. Right. What did and I still pa- live there when I'm in Philly? What did your parents do to to to, to steer you from the trap, man? You know, um, well, what what were their <laughs> occupations and what did they do, man? Well, the, the, the what the what did it's, it's a good question. I, I guess I always resist the question a little bit right. because it presumes that the condition of our people sometimes is reducible to the level of choice. Like right. so, so we all make good choices and bad choices, and I done made some bad ones. I done made some good ones. But my brother made good and bad choices. You know, he just came home. You know what I mean? So we grew up in the same house, same right. parents. They had the same occupation. Just you and your brother? I, I grew up in a house. I have uh, four brothers and a sister. Wow. Uh, one of my, my brother and sister, my pop had before he was married. Okay. So we didn't grow up in the same house. Right. Then I had two brothers. One is nine years older. One is two years older. Okay. The one is two years older. The, the one is nine years old is doing really well. Um, he's an attorney in Philly. Um, the one is two years who, who's two years older just came home. You know, he's been in jail most of my adult life. That's crazy. You know, he's been home for, I should say, like two years now, but most of my adult life he's been locked up, in and out. Same parents, same, you know, so so I, I almost, so I, sometimes I'm uncomfortable telling people 
well, my parents did this and my parents did that. Because maybe they did do that, right? But they did the same thing for him and it right. didn't work. Or maybe the, I was just a kid that could, that could navigate that. And the reason I say that is because we got to create schools, environments, human services. We got to create a, a community that responds to the needs of each person. You shouldn't have to be perfect and not make mistakes right, exactly. to be okay. Because I did the, some of the same trips he took, I took. I took right. with him. You know what I mean? He just didn't get, we didn't get pulled over that day. Right. You know what I mean? So, I, you know, um, it's a blessing I am where I am. Um, but I, let me say this, though, because I don't make it sound like it was all luck. They did. Include, but, it, but it is luck. It is yeah. luck. And it is, I don't want to say it's fate, but it is the choices. Yeah. It is the choices. Yeah, it, it's, it's choices. And, um, and and some of the choices they made helped me make better choices. Right. Um, they, you know, the, the sacrifices of the elder. No doubt. Right. No doubt, man. They encouraged me to read. I was reading since I was three or four years old. Okay. I fell in love with books early. That was probably the best thing they did for me was expose me to ideas and books in, a, in an area, in a neighborhood where that wasn't the dominant thing to right. do. You know, I was the only one going home and going in my room and reading books. I and mean, we'd be out in the street playing, you know, whatever, playing ball. But playing. So you had a passion. They instilled a passion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, my mom had a, and my Uncle Bobby, they both had a passion for books and, and, and that, that got me excited I, I thought books were exciting man books were my escape I think about Nas sometime man when he talks about being in the project window you know what I mean and he thinks about how um, in, in many ways um, writing for him as well as music helped him imagine think outside of that project window right. think outside of Queensbridge even though he was part of part Queensbridge of it, right. he saw beyond it yeah and, and that's sort of how it was for me in some ways books and hip hop were the two things that helped me see outside of North Philly and West Philly um, what, what did yeah. your what did your family do? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. So so my, my, they were teachers. They were teachers. school teachers. Okay. My mom became a school teacher later in life, right. uh, which is how we were able to move. You know, when when they met, she was she was like doing secretarial work, regular you know like uh, assistant work. You know, she was going to the little schools and trying to get, um, you know, get a job like those little training schools and right. stuff. My pop was working at one. I guess I guess he, again I look at it like that. I guess he's just messing with a student. But you know, they they <laughs> they, they met. You know what I mean, and, and they and eventually, you know, they got married, and eventually, um, we made different. They made different choices. We were able to move out, but they were teachers, man, and and for them, and they were. And my parents are older. My dad was born nineteen twenty eight. My mom okay. born nineteen thirty nine. Right, and they're from That's the south. Crazy, yeah, it, my, it is. My, my mom's was born in twenty four. Wow. So you is she from north up the north or south? She's from Haiti. Oh, well. so I'm, I'm first generation. Right. So y'all like near the revolution. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Like, we we got parents that are like near like these moments, these extraordinary moments in history. My father, uh, born in 1928, uh, lied about his age to go to go into the Army. From the South? From the South. Okay. Because he, he was born in Wilkes County, Georgia, right. not too far from like Athens. So he's seen a lot. He's seen everything, man. He, he, he his, his brothers fought in World War II. He was about a year too late. Um, I mean, he, he, he fought for the country and they had to ride behind Nazi POWs on a train ride back. His, his money... In the South, after fighting for this country, he was still counterfeit. He couldn't sit at a, a, a Woolworth counter. He couldn't buy a hamburger. He couldn't drink a Coke. Was he bitter about this? Or? That's the amazing thing about my pop, man. I, I, I'm not him. He's built different than I am. Right. His moral composition is different. 1970, the city of Philadelphia brought a case against him saying that he uh, was waving guns at cops. This is under the corrupt Rizzo administration in Philadelphia. Now, you know a black man who waving a gun at a cop would be dead within five seconds. Dead they say, and dead. They say he ran in the house, pulled out a gun, and pointed it at the police threateningly. And, and what actually happened was we called the police for help. I wasn't born yet. He, they called the police for help. The police 
came and, and, and my, for my aunt and he was and, and they were being disrespectful to him. He said, hey, we called you. you. There's no need to talk to us like that. Right. And they said, nigga, shut the fuck up. Uh. And he was like, yo, I'm a citizen. You ain't going to talk to me like that. And I'm a veteran and I fought for this country. All that all shit. Of that. Right. So he went in the house. They ran in the house and got him, beat, whooped his ass and then searched the house and found a gun. You see what I'm saying? Right. And, and they wrote this whole. Anyway, he beat the case. My point is and why I'm bringing that up is every year the Fraternal Order of Police of Philadelphia calls. And he donates. Right. He Which donates. Crazy. And I'm like, why, Dad, why would you do that? My mom be like, yo, they whooped your ass. Why would you do He has a different composition than I do. I'm not, I, now, I'm not saying he's making the right choice. I think he right. should not donate to the right. fraternal. But my, the but, point is. But, but let me ask you, though. Yeah. Is it being smart? Because to move in this society, man, as a black man, you got to sometimes do deals with the devil. You know what I'm saying? And, and does, does it afford him or your family a little bit of extra no, I, I think I think for him he 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 believes in this country right in a way that, that some of us might question yes right and I think that's the narrative of black people in America since the beginning we fought slavery ended we joined the military we ran for office we wanted to become part of the 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 the, the state itself we believed in America even when America didn't believe in our fundamental humanity right that's what makes African people in America are so extraordinary, man. If and, and when you see stuff happen like in Ferguson, they're like, oh my God, these people are rioting just because they didn't get their way. I'm like, if black people rioting every time forces, they didn't get their way. Enemy forces. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Word. No, no, you 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 want it. That's what I'm saying. Right. And and the thing is they don't they see us as an outside force. Right, exactly. They see us as the enemy force. And they don't realize that black folk have had more discipline and patience than I mean, imagine if we if we had a, a, a Ferguson every time we got a bad jury verdict or every time that's not how we roll. Imagine I mean it oh did they a Watts or L.A. riots happen every time. That's not how we rock, man. There comes a point where we have enough. But in general, black people have invested and believed in America. My father is an example of that. My mom right. grew up in Farmville, Virginia, right after Brown versus Board of Education. She's born in 1939. They had to integrate the schools. So Farmville, Virginia said, instead of integrating the schools, we just going to shut them down. Damn. They literally said, rather than go to school with white people, black people, black people. Me, we just won't have school. We will not have them. We, we will not tolerate this. Yeah, we'd rather just not have school. So they shut down all the schools. So my uncles on that, my mom's side, they couldn't go to high school. They couldn't get a, a diploma. They just gave them their diplomas five years ago. And, and you go to the Moton Library crazy. and Farmville, you crazy. say, yeah, and because, but 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 they, my parents still believed in education. My right. mom came up north, moved to Darby, then moved to Philly. My point in saying all this is that they taught me a history of struggle, um, a history of resistance, a love for education, but also some things that I, I made different choices about. Right. Like I love uh, the opportunity I have here, but I also uh, fight this state. Right. I challenge un unchecked power. I challenge the parts of the world that aren't okay. Some of one of the most powerful films of the year is now available on Blu-ray combo pack and DVD. From the producers of 12 Years a Slave comes a true story of Dr. Martin Luther King's historic effort to ensure voting rights for all Americans. Directed by Ava DuVernay and starring David Oyelowo, Oprah Winfrey, and Tom Wilkinson, the New York Times calls this film a triumph. Summer is one of the most best-reviewed movies of the year, earning four and five stars across the board. Also, 2015 marks the 50th anniversary of Bloody Sunday, the civil rights march from Selma to Montgomery. Own an important part of history and buy Selma on Blu-ray combo pack and DVD today from Paramount Pictures, rated PG-13. And now back to the show. So when you were growing up, were they, in a sense, directly teaching you about injustice? No. Or you you just... you you. You, nah. I read somewhere that you really started noticing discrepancies being an African-American, particularly a male, in the fourth grade. 
you know, it, it, it was it fourth grade. That's good. It's about some standardized test. Oh, well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, uh, I think for me, it was teaching and watching. I, I, saw, I saw disparities. Right. Just in the fact that when I went up to the Northeast, I went to, I got busted out of school. Right. I didn't go to a, a private. I went to public school. Right. I just went to a white public school. Uh, they were working class. They were poor. They, you know, but they, they had books. Right. They had teachers. They had resources. They had resources. Right. Basic resources. Right. It wasn't fancy. It wasn't Nutria, Illinois. It wasn't. It wasn't Ardmore, PA. You know what I mean? It wasn't none of that. It was just. It was just. They had books. Right. And then I get on the school bus to come back home, and my friends didn't have books, uh, and they didn't have to. So, so that was the first disparity right. I saw. And are you noticing like, is this something wrong? It's just like, mm. it was just life to me. I right. wish I could say I had this profound insight about it. I right. didn't. I just knew that white neighborhoods would felt different than black neighborhoods right. from what was the trash on the street to the threats of violence. It just felt different. So, so I was quality like, of food. Uh, yeah, uh, everything. Right. And, and, and when you say quality of food, right? I mean, in the sense that access to fresh fruit and vegetables, yes. right? On my block. Um, there was a corner store. Mr. James' store was there, and there was other than that it was liquor stores, um, check cashing, check cashing, and then big yellow signs for Chinese food that you get to four <laughs> or five in the morning, and that was it, right? But up there, they had groceries. Mm. You, I mean, they had, you could get an apple, right? You know, it, it was just a different way of understanding the world. So I saw all of that, but I didn't really make sense of the moment where I started to develop my racial consciousness because I got I got called nigga in middle school and all that stuff. I went to did, did you fight that? I fought them, right? But did you know what that? weight was in terms of the word that they were throwing i didn't fully appreciate i i I knew we used to fight so yeah i mean the nigga was accompanied by like you know fists so i mean i understood the context of it now are you nice with your hands sir Uh, yeah i am yes (laughs) i really am i've been meaning to ask you that yeah (laughs) i I remember when combat was spoke about the first time that uh when you said you went upstate uh no 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 in in, in the 70s Mm. um because my family's first generation american my mom I was raised by my mom, and and so we did. I she knew nothing about, you know, the racial dynamics of the U.S. So yeah. during the summers, particularly in the seventies, she would send me to Haiti for for the first half of the summer, and the second half I'd go to Boston. Mm. So my family, my cousins in Boston, they were the first black family on the block. Oh shit! And so this kid, Patrick Stretch, we would you know play ball or whatever, and he would always get frustrated. And just start screaming at me. And I never really understood what the fuck he was screaming at me. I don't know, whatever. Right. So my older cousins, you know, they they were kind of like they had the afros. They went to Jimi Hendrix. They were like more conscious. So one day yeah. we was all in there in the Stretch's backyard, in the white family's backyard. And this kid, Patrick Stretch, is calling me a nigga. Uh, and I'm not understanding. I never, I, I don't yeah. know what, I have no clue what this word is other than this white boy's always mad. So my older cousin, Ike, was just whispering in my ear, yo, go fuck him up. <laughs> automatically I fucked up Patrick Stretch yeah, stretched after, him. yeah he and I stretched him and then afterwards my cousin was like yo that's a very hateful word don't ever allow a white person to call you and that word. was my that was my you know just really just eye opening in terms of like okay people are really treating us different yeah. because of the color of our skin yeah and, and that's what you and that's what I noticed going up there right. and the ill thing was if we were looking at income if we were looking at intelligence if we were looking at all these other measures um they were no better than me. These are white right. trash. I, I look on Facebook now. These are the same kids as locked up or hooked on meth, doing crystal meth, all pills, that shit. Yeah. yeah, pills, all that shit, right? These ain't like, these ain't the doctors and engineers and shit. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the five black people that was bust up there with me are doing way better than right. them. But what was interesting is for them, their whiteness made them think that they were superior. Just naturally. Just naturally. Right. That's the natural order. No one said it. It was unspoken. No one told them that shit. I don't think. But it's just how the world functions. So I noticed that. But the sad part is, if I'm being perfectly honest, I believed them. Right. Deep down, how I, could you not believe him? Yeah, 
because this is what's being taught in every hey. every every aspect of every information that you're taking in. Yes, and my, my teachers were, you know, I saw white teachers, I saw white police, I saw a nice neighborhood, I saw all this stuff, and so yeah, at first I was like, well, maybe black people, you know, you just start to think, well, maybe this is how it's supposed to be. Right. It wasn't until honestly eighth grade when I read Malcolm, mm. which is around the time that a lot of us, yeah. Read Malcolm, you the autobiography. Yeah. Alex yeah. Haley. Alex Haley, yep. Right. Changed my life. It it, it, it saved my life um, in some real fundamental ways, man. My life just became different and better after uh, reading that book, and it woke me up to a new sense of consciousness, and right. I began to read different kinds of books. Because I pretended I was reading whatever I could get, S.E. Hinton, uh, you know what I mean? I was reading Outsiders. I right. was reading Judy Bloom. You know what I mean? I was reading <laughs> Traditional books. American literature yeah, for, yeah. for, that, for that age range, yeah. age group. When I read Malcolm... That shit was hot, right? Changed my life. Yes. And then soon after, Spike had the movie. Mm. So then I had a visual representation right. of something that I had read. And then um, I started reading these third world press books. I started reading the ISIS papers. I started reading. Oh, I mean, you read the ISIS papers. I, I read the ISIS papers. I read everything. But I read the ice papers, the, the, uh, Behold a Pale Horse. Mm. I read. Did you read the whole book? Because that book is really kind of kooky, man. It, it is kooky. You read the whole thing? I, I, I did. <laughs> I don't know if I understood the whole thing right. at the time. But I read it. Then I started reading books from Imam Issa out in the Ansar community. I started okay. reading Nation of Islam materials. I started doing all kinds of stuff because I was trying to make sense of this gap between black life and white life, right. between what I saw on the street and what I saw in school. And and are you getting angry? Yes. Yes. I'm profoundly frustrated and I'm angry and I'm confused and I'm hurt. But I found peace and love and joy and purpose in those books because right. when I saw Malcolm, I saw that the life of the mind was possible. I saw that the love of black people was valuable and necessary. And I began to see my people and my traditions privileged and prioritized in such a way that I could say, all right, black culture matters. Yes. Black life matters. Before the, before the hashtag. Before, before, yeah. You know what I mean? And I was able to love myself in a different kind of way. And once I was able to love myself, now I can navigate all this other stuff differently. But, you know, it didn't take me out of my neighborhood. It didn't well, of take course me not. out of my circumstances. Right. You know it, I mean? it, 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 didn't, it didn't change your immediate habits. Yeah. You said you used to kind of get in trouble. What, what kind of the shit? You, what, what were you doing, man? Um, A little bit of everything, right. man. A little bit of everything. Graffiti? Uh, I, I didn't tag much, man, just because, like, I just didn't do that. That wasn't mm. my talent. You know what I mean? I, I was always trying to get over. It was always money related stuff, man. I, I don't like talk too much about it. Given, okay. Shop you know I mean? given, given, uh... given a lot of things. Right. But um, I, I just made I made a lot of choices. I made okay. a lot of choices. Uh, and like I said, there are a lot of days where the difference between me and the difference between some of my homies was just. It's amazing, right? It's, it was just luck. I just made it. I just ran left when they ran right. I turned left when they turned right. Or, or just you, you, you were, you were in the right spot at the right day. I remember yeah. being in certain places yeah. in Brooklyn. Where it was just cloudy, you know what I'm saying? I'm, yeah. I'm like, it was just cloudy, and and I look back right now and I look at the majority of my block that's been decimated. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's probably myself, another brother that became a police officer, another brother that that works in corporate America. But for, but for the most part, most of the cats that I grew up with, man, I, I don't know where they are. Right. And it's like I didn't really do anything different. I mean, I did the right things, but I did the wrong things. Also, right. so why am I still here? It's, it's scary, right? And and I think we have to. That's why we as a people have to reject the just do better narrative, right? right? Because when people like Bill Cosby or other folks say, "Well, if you just pull your pants up and just do this, just do that, you'll be okay," and the truth is, it, that, that, it, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work that. It doesn't way. work like that. And the other thing is, you shouldn't have to be perfect, right. to navigate this because a whole bunch of wealthy folk who do dumb shit, a whole bunch of rich and famous people who do real dumb shit. Privilege. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to yeah. jump around. This this yeah, is a question I have for later on, but this is one thing that you you said you were growing up and you 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 were going to school with these white kids and they were doing some crazy shit. Yeah. 
what is it, uh, how do we get around the perception that black people are the criminals and that the white people don't have to be police? How do we get around? Because I, I was yeah. watching your interview, the recent interview about, uh, with with the detective. Oh, and, yeah, and, with Harry Houck, yeah. Exactly. And, and, yeah. You, and, and, and what he kept hammering home was like, black listen, I ha- we have to, well, black people do all the crimes. And I know that's not true. No. You know that's not true. But how do we get around that perception? Well, you know, it's funny, too, just as an aside to that, because, you know, he said to me, I remember that we were debating on CNN, and I said, well, I, I laid out all these statistics, uh, and I pointed to Stanford study and other places that show that black people are disproportionately criminalized, yes. abused, shot, murdered, et cetera. And he said, well, you can't trust these statistics, da 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 <laughs> And it's amazing. You trust statistics that say that black people mm-hmm. are criminals, are criminals right. but you don't trust statistics that say the police do criminal activity. You can't pick and choose in that way. But they do. They do because it's easy to believe that black people are the biggest everything. Yes. Um, how do we do it? Well, it happens through the media. It happens through public policy. It happens through everyday speech. For example, uh, and it's been happening forever. I, I, I don't want to get all academic on you, but if you read uh, Black Reconstruction, W.E.B. Du Bois' Black Reconstruction, he wrote it in 1935. And the first three chapters, it's one of the most important books, I think, of the 20th century. But in that first three chapters, he talks about the first chapter is about the, the slave the second chapter is about the white worker, and the third chapter is about the planner, the managerial class, the bosses, right? And essentially what Du Bois is saying in a nutshell is the white worker should want to end slavery just as much as the slave because the white worker will never be able to find a job if there's slavery. Right. Because if they're slaves, why would I pay a white dude to do this job if I can get this slave to do it, mm-hmm. right? And we don't pay slaves, right? So white workers should be fighting with slaves to end slavery for their own well-being, but the question was, why don't they? And it was because they want to be like the bosses. They want to be like the planters. They would rather identify with wealthy white folks who are bosses who don't even like them because they can close ranks around whiteness at the expense of the nigga. That's what Chris Rock was saying. He right. said there's a one-legged Janet up there that won't trade places with me and I'm rich. He's making the same argument, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Because there's something about white, what he called the, the psychic wages of whiteness, right? There's whiteness as property, right? And so the idea is that if whiteness is property, I'd rather be white than be black, no matter what the black circumstance right. is. So when it comes to criminalization, when it comes to welfare, when it comes to all these narratives of black people, part of what they do is they convince vulnerable white people to believe those stories so that they can have an investment in just not being black. So you'll believe that all black people are on welfare. Welfare queen. The, 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 myth of the welfare queen, queen right? Yeah. They drag out a welfare queen. The welfare queen is racial code, right? They didn't say she was black. But you knew she was yeah, black. Yeah, well, look, they, they, the, the example was always like really? she ride around in a Cadillac. She live in a Taylor home. She live in Cabrini Green. She live in Richard Allen in Philly. Mm-hmm. You know, she got five kids, six baby daddies. Shit don't yeah. even make sense, yeah. right? You know what I mean? <laughs> and, 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 and her name is Taquanda, you know? And, 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 and so you watch that on Sally Jesse Raphael or Donahue or all them old shows, even Oprah back in the day. And you'd be like, oh, welfare is fucked Ricky up. Ricky Lake. Right. right. Ricky Lake, all that shit, right? So you might be a poor white person in Tennessee who actually is getting wick. You're the welfare mm. queen. You, you are the I'm literally the welfare queen because most people in welfare in this country are white, female, and young, yes. not black, statistically, right? But because you don't like black people and because you're taught that these black people are hypersexual, dangerous, irresponsible, lazy, et cetera, you vote against welfare, you're actually voting against yourself. Self, right. So that logic makes mm. it so, so so it becomes easy to believe that. Right. So you believe that the drugs are being taken by black people when white people use cocaine at the same rate. You believe that we're killing each other. Maybe at white, a higher rate. At higher. It at actually rate, is yes. a higher rate because a lot of stuff is based on reports. Um, and wealthy white people who use cocaine more than anybody don't 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 have to report it because right. they don't have those kind of engagements. So all that to say part of why it's, it's easy to believe it is because people who should not be believing it 
are convinced to believe it to make themselves feel better about not being black. Exactly. And the perception is that I tell you, these people who count these numbers need to hang out in front of a Wawa yeah. once in a while to really see the difference. Of who's but even coming. if they hung out in front of no, a no, Wawa, I'm they a, would not see it. I'm making a joke because the point I'm trying to make is like, <laughs> you know, the perception still lives on of people like when you say welfare and food stamps, they, they yep. try to put them. To like, like you, they'll never see that that there's more white people doing something, or there's more Russian people taking uh, food stamps, yep. or that that like it has to always be the one that they always like. That's a perception. Even growing up, look, I grew up in Coney Island. Yeah. Then I moved to Bensonhurst when I was a teenager. I have seen both. Like the Italians, I mean, I I love them, but a lot of the, that neighborhood Bensonhurst Italian, they can never get their mind out of like what. There's no smart or good or black people. There's no, yep. you know what I mean. And and I'm, it's nothing against my Italians, but it's just. This is what has they, happened. They bought into whiteness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because whiteness has benefits. Even yes. if you're poor and white, it's still better to be poor and black. Of so course. so they buy into it. So that's how this happens. And then we believe it. Black people, a lot of black people internalize white supremacy. That's the problem with this. Man, right? I'm, I'm gonna tell you, man. I didn't realize how much I internalized it until I went to Cornell. Mm, oh, that'll and, do and, it. And and, and, and actually, <laughs> that'll I, do I, it. actually know Georgetown. And I remember, you know, the Socratic method. I'd yeah. have to, you know, I'd be challenged by a professor. Yeah. In front of you know a couple of hundred kids. Yeah. In, 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 in class. And whenever he would call on me and I'd stand up and all those white eyes would be on me. Then I felt I was like, yo, I'm going to make a fool, not because I'm not up on the content or the subject matter. I'm going to make a fool because I'm viewed as a black cat. Exactly. And it was that extra yep. anxiety, man. Let's let's go back to school, man. You went to, you went to Morehouse. Yeah, I did. I started at Morehouse. You okay. know, I, 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 uh, I went to Morehouse. I ended up leaving Morehouse. OK, um, I was like I said, I was a basketball player, man. Right. That was my primary goal in life. That's all I wanted to and do. And you was getting, you was Point guard? getting, getting yeah. girls moist, too, also? And, nah, that's... I mean, you know, it's Atlanta, man. You know, You're a good-looking guy, you dude. Know, you know, actually, college is when... It is, is when your high school didn't work out so good for right. me, but college, that, that was another <laughs> distraction. I was like, oh, shit. There's all kinds of opportunities yes. availed themselves yes, to be Yes, 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 yes. You know, yes, being Mark. at Morehouse... <laughs> no, I ain't judging you, but Mark Lamar Hill, that sounds like some fucking point, point, uh, point guard. <laughs> like, sounds like maybe like a 19... 10, 10 rebounds, seven assists a game. I, I don't know about that. Probably more like ten points and like maybe like twelve, thirteen assists, man. You know, I my, my I was I was more of a passer than a shooter, man. Right. I was okay. a great defender, man. But that first year, man, I, they wanted me to red shirt, and uh, my parents wouldn't let me take basketball. I had basketball scholarships other places. My, so I went to Morehouse. I had to walk on because they wouldn't let me uh, take basketball scholarships because they were worried that I was going to be so focused on basketball that you wouldn't. I wouldn't study. Right. It was just they were right. right. I mean, at that level, I st- still should let me play ball. But they were right because in high school, I got C's and D's. I wasn't. A, mm. I, I got C's during basketball season, and as soon as the season ended, I you know I stopped going to class. I would get all D's. this freedom. Yeah, exactly. Right. Went to, went to summer school every year for for math, science, all that shit. Like I I wasn't a good student. Right. I and was it, smart though. Right. And I knew the word. I just didn't care. I was I love. I was I'm obsessive about things. So basketball was my thing. So anyway, and did did you feel also like you're around, around all these smart cats? And you're around this community that's supporting each other, but you didn't feel part of this community. A part of this community. I, when I got to Morehouse, that was the first time where I saw uh, where I was in a place where being smart and having because you go to Morehouse, everybody want to talk like Martin Luther King. Right. Everybody want to debate in the hallway. Everybody thinks they're the smartest dude in the world. So being at Morehouse, that was the first time where I was in a community in a culture of of in, high of intellectuality. Right. That's when I started to care more. Right. Um. And I did basketball, and then I, I thought I was actually going to play and start that year because some things happened with the uh, the guys on the team. Uh, there was a there was a case a rape case out there and a couple guys got na- got got knocked for it and then it turned out that the the sister uh, from Spellman recanted that it, mm. that it wasn't true it was a big scandal right uh, turned out they weren't even near near her at the time 
Um, I'm not saying that's, that, that that's sorry. a that's an infinite testimony that most rape cases reported are true. I'm not suggesting that they're not. Right. This case just happened not to be. Um, and anyway, so when the guys came back, you know, they were like, yeah, you ain't playing this shit. You're going to yeah, red shirt. You yeah, can do whatever. Exactly. And I just quit. Right. And then after that, you know, sophomore year, I came back and I was like, you know what? School ain't for me. I dropped out. What'd uh, you do, man? Uh, I, I, I hustled around the city, you know, doing what I had to do to make money. You stayed in Atlanta? Or I you stayed in Atlanta. Okay. I made money sometimes. Mostly legal stuff. This, okay. Mostly. Uh, I like that. Mo- mostly legal stuff. Honestly, when I came back to Philly is when I started to act stupid. Right. In Philly, in Atlanta, I was doing shit like selling books and incense. And I just couldn't live off that. I eventually came back to Philly. I was I was I was into all kinds of stuff. I, at this point, I had joined uh, uh, what was called Holy Tabernacle, Doctor York stuff out okay. in Brooklyn. I was you know I, I, down I lived, with Doctor York. Huh? I lived I lived in Ansaru. Yeah, formerly yeah. the Ansaru community. Yeah, Ansaru, Ansaru Law. Yeah. Was he building space? Was he building spaceships out in Atlanta, man? What, what, the, what the hell was he building? <laughs> That's not what he was doing. He's he's in jail right now for 110 years for, for, <laughs> for racketeering, child molestation. No, but what, was he wait? Was he building pyramids? What the hell? He was built he? pyramids out in okay. Eaton, Georgia. I lived so, out there. I lived okay. out in Eatonton for a while. How was that, man? Uh, it was amazing. Right. It was it was the best experience of my life, man. I didn't know that the bad stuff was happening. When I was out there, when I, I left, when I started to get wind of bad stuff right. and when I got home and saw all the cases and the raids and all that shit. And then I, in retrospect, I put pieces together. But, you know, I was doing Ansari stuff since I was a teenager, man. I, I was that's what I, said. I was always reading books. I studied Spanish. I studied Arabic. You know, I speak both. I was doing that. I was learning. I was doing all this stuff, trying to excel and, and, and better yourself and figure out who I was. Right. How painful is it, though, man, when you when you believe in somebody? Like, yeah. like, like Dr. York and, yeah. and, and, and you see your life getting better. You, you feel your mind growing and then you hear about these disappointing things. Does that affect you personally? Man? It does, man. It, right. it took it, it, it shattered my faith in religion. It shattered mm-hmm. my faith in people. Um, it made me unwilling to join mostly anything because right. I was like, I, I, I'm I just, good. you know, I, I was unwilling to trust things. It's, I, I've repaired that now because as somebody who's an activist and somebody who, who, who has been an organizer since I was 16 as well. Um, or an activist since I was, I've been an organizer later in life, but I was an activist since I was 16. You need community. You need each other. Right. We need to trust each other. We need to believe in each other. You need organizations. You need, and we need organizations. And, and so, um, but it was a struggle for me. Um, so when I dropped out of school, I came back home. I was bull, I was bullshitting. I was trying to work, trying to make money. I was I was committing crimes. I was doing dumb shit, man. And, and, and after um, making some bad choices um, and getting back up a few times, my mom was basically like, you got to move out this house. Um, that was rock bottom for you. Yeah, like, she you said got, you got to move out. Because I was in Atlanta, I was homeless for right. a while. I was living okay. in Lenox train station. Mm. When I moved back to Philly, really? th- that's why I went back to Philly. I was like, yo, my mom house ain't the best move, but it's better than the train station in Atlanta. Because people think Atlanta's not cold. Atlanta's not cold if you're inside. Right. If you're outside, everything is cold. You, Miami is cold if you're living on the street. Exactly, right. You know, um, so I moved back home. I started working, went back to Temple. I hustled. I had to catch up. I was behind in school now. I grinded. I finished in two years. I, like I just you got all your credits. I got all my credits. Two and a half years. I finished right. it. So I took a summer thing, and I went hard. I was taking like twenty one semester. I took like twenty four credits. I was taking like eight classes. Is this to get it out the way, or are you are you once I, again learning and enjoying what you're doing? Is it a grind? Or it was. It, it was just a grind. I was just trying right. to get done. And I felt like I was behind. It wasn't until my last semester in college, I uh, I, I needed one more class. Like again, you're only supposed to take eighteen credits. I took mm-hmm. two more extra classes, and I snuck and did it. I, I was I filled out the car, and I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna just do it online, right? right? Um, and I looked in the book for a class. I needed any class. It could be any class in the world. And I saw a class called The Black Woman. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm. I don't know what this is, but it'll probably be black women in it. Right. You know? And sure enough, it might it was, be a gut, too. Were you thinking it was going to be a gut? Yeah, yeah, I did. I thought it was going to be some bullshit, you know? <laughs> uh, you know. So um, I got in there, and it was me, this old head who was like maybe like 15, 20 years older than me. 
and like 22 black women and like <laughs> eight of them was bad. Moistures. Yeah. He's Moistures. Well, <laughs> he walked in there, forget it. Yo, well, I mean, you know, I ain't gonna say that, but I'll say for me, that's what got me there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the professor, Renoir McDonough, had me read these books, Black Feminist Thought, Patricia Hill Collins, you know, mm. Critical Race Feminine. I was reading books on feminism and black womanhood. And not only did I learn a lot about feminism and I, did I learn how to listen to the voices of black women, right. but also I learned that I love to read and write for a living. The idea of reading and writing for a living had never crossed my mind. Even my parents were like, yo, you need a meal ticket, you need a job. The idea of being a professor or a scholar was not something that seemed viable to me. Right. Uh, earlier, A couple years earlier, I had seen Michael Eric Dyson um, at Morehouse speak at an event. And I was like, I don't know what he's doing, but I want to do that when I grow up. You felt the power of his I, words. I felt the power. I was moved by it. I'd never seen anything like that. Right. So that was in the back of my mind. But then I put it away when I, after all that life shit happened. That When I went back to that class, I realized, yo, I can do this. That's when I started taking school seriously. That's when I fell more in love with not just books and ideas, but with the idea of being um, a scholar. I went to grad school. I went to Penn. Michael Eric Dyson actually ended up coming my second year to right. the school and, and working there. He became my mentor. Now, how did that happen? How did he become your mentor? Um, ain't that many black people in graduate school. Okay. So, you know what I mean? But, but it wasn't just that. It, it, that's why he probably remembered me. But I, I went to, walked up to him and said, yo, I'd love to work with you. He's, I said, can I TA for you? I'll do it for free. I don't care. He was teaching a course on Tupac. Mm. So I went how, over there. How, how was that, man? It was amazing. Yeah. Man. It was amazing. Uh, it was amazing. Like I learned a bunch. I felt like I was taking the class as much as I was. I learned how to lecture. Like preachers say, you learn how to preach, but you preach like somebody else before you preach like yourself. Right. I learned to teach and function like him and Cornell West and others before I learned to be like myself. Right. And I watched that. I, I watched what he did, how we engaged. I learned a bunch. And from that on, he was like my big brother, man. And because we, we had a lot of like, we were a lot of like, we both grew up in certain situations. We both had dealt with a lot of same family issues and problems. Uh, we both were in the academy, but not of the academy. Right. We both love hip hop. We both love to talk shit. We both love to cuss. We both love to laugh. You know what I mean? He loves to talk shit. Yeah. No <laughs> doubt about it. In the best way. That's my OG, right. man. Right. And, and so, we um, we connected, man. And then that year, later that year, they dropped my funding at Penn, right? They didn't pay for my program, which is right. fucked up. They paid for everybody but me. Why? And they said I didn't have the aptitude. Okay. Go figure. Look at you right now. Yeah, man. You know, so they need to give me my <laughs> fucking money back. But, <laughs> Get a refund. Yeah, something. But but Mike Dyson ended up paying for my graduate really? school for wow. the next three years, man. And um, That's crazy. Yeah, man. Right. And, and I got out. And he also taught me that you can use a PhD to help somebody. Right. He taught me that you can use a PhD to make the world better. And so I, I committed when I became a professor at Temple and, and then at Columbia and now at Morehouse that I was going to um, use my PhD not just to write books to other scholars, although I do that, uh, and I love doing that, but also that I could use my in, my intellect and my resources and my limited skills to, to heal people and to teach beyond the To university. get your hands dirty. Yeah. Re- what is it about academics, man, that, that, that the perception... My perception of them is that they live in this gla- in these glass bubbles, man, and they, and they don't want to yeah. get out. Yeah, I, I think that's most people though. I, right. I think most people live in glass bubbles. I think the, the irony of the academic is that they spend their life examining and writing about the world, right. and often aren't in it. But most people who are doctors don't do much other than the thing they do in their office. Right. People who are lawyers don't do. The, you know, what I mean, All, most of us are like that. But what, what what academics? What frustrates people about academics is that you will write about a social movement but won't leave your office to join one, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that can be frustrating. But also, that's how you're trained. And the, the PhD process is about learning as much as you can about the most narrow thing. Like, when you study history, you don't study all of American history or all of Haitian history. You learn, I'm going to study American history in, in, in between 1920 and 1925. Right. And I, I might become an expert on the years 1920 and 1925. And not just everything in 1920 1925, but I might become an expert on, like, uh, 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 unions in, in the North 
between 19... So, this, so, this part, this, this, these particular set of, set of movements. Yeah, right. This, this particular period. set of movements right. in this particular set of years at this particular location. So, so your work is smaller and smaller, whereas as a TV commentator and as a critic or as a writer, it's the opposite, right? You need to know a little bit about everything. Whereas an uh, academic, you almost need to know everything about nothing. You got to be tunnel t- yeah. like so right. siloed. So, so you'll call an academic, like, yo, why don't you come do this? That's not my area. Right. I don't know enough about that. I don't do that. And they don't understand that. In the big, broader world, you got a tank full of gas, man. You got to go somewhere with yeah, it. Man. Yeah. We need your genius. What do you think about what's going on right now with with with, uh, with Dyson and, and and Dr. Cornell West, man? Ooh, man, man, right man, 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 man. You know, I had Dyson on my show right. yesterday, man. Yes. We rapped for a long time. I saw a bit of that. Yeah, Mike sent me. Um, and Cornell and I are very close to. Okay, uh, not not as close as me and Mike, but I love them both. Right. Um, profoundly. And uh, Mike sent me the piece on Friday before he sent it. Would you say, man? I, I say, yo, dog, this is ether. Right. This is ether. <laughs> Like this is, is it ether or is it takeover? Well, it's funny. It's, <laughs> yeah, that's what it's really takeover. And if you look at the content of the piece, it's takeover. It's right? an attack. Yeah. Out of, no, out of seemingly well, I, out I don't of no... call it an attack. Remember, takeover wasn't an attack either. Right. Because I mean, before a... that was the H to the, the, the H to the H... Izzo, M to the Izzo exactly. over and, the paid and, and full And they had been, freestyle. They, they had been throwing the subliminals. Yeah, it's your whole... name out, put jiggle on top. Exactly. All that shit been happening for years. Yes. But it was the, it was the freestyle and envy before... Takeover came out that yes. he was responding yes, to. If, yes, we, yes. if we really keep it real, now it's through the first punch, of course, right? Of course. Take the freeway to Memphis. And, 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 yeah, and Cornell like to throw them jabs, right? man. Cornell throws them jabs. Oh, Cornell threw a whole lot of jabs. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He dropped it. So when when he came, it's funny because when when when, when uh, Dyson texted me, he texted me the piece and he put in quotes under, "Don't let me do it to you, Dunny, because I overdo it." Right? <laughs> and I just started I laughing. I love this. I love this. So um, so Mike was like, and Mike went hard, and, and I think that. I don't like to get in the middle of it because, like I told him, this could be Nas Jay Z or this could be Tupac Big. Right. Not in the sense that y'all gonna kill each other, but in the sense of the impact that could have on our culture. And the division and the whole nine. Right. Right. So I will say this: I think that Cornell West used the wrong tone, the wrong language, the wrong everything when he calls Melissa Harris Perry a fraud, when Mm -hmm. he says Michael Eric Dyson and Sharpton and them are are prostitutes, Mm -hmm. and 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 whatever else he called house Negroes and all that shit. Like I don't think that's the way. That's not the language of civility and right. love, particularly when we in-house. This is our family, right? Exactly. So we ain't got to do that so disrespectful. Other. But his critique of Obama, Cornel West's critique of Obama is on the money. His critique, Saving, on point. Yeah. Right. All that. I just said, and I said this to Cornell, so I ain't talking out of school. I said this to Cornell. I said, I, I agree with you on all these points, but we don't have to use this language to critique people who are in a different position, particularly right. for, we ain't talking about Bull Connor. You didn't say this about Larry Summers when he tried to, you know, give you a hard time at Harvard. So let's not do this. We're with talking about family. We're talking, family. About, we're talking about family. Right. Uh, yeah. So I'm with you on that. Um, when the piece came out, I mean, I, I don't agree with everything in the piece. Because, um, again, it's like the takeover. Basically, when he, he said, you know, it's almost like when he said that's a one hot, you know, song every 10 year average, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he basically said Cornell ain't wrote a hot You, you, haven't, you haven't written since, shit in since a long time. 93. 93, yeah. Um, I, I'll say this. I. Cornell West's best work probably hasn't come in the last 15, 20 right. years. Mike, Mike Dyson is right to say that. I don't think that that's the right measure of it, right? Um, Cornell West has written at least three books that are considered classics, classics. and seminal right. works. He's done other things. He's trained scholars. He's worked with people. He's been an amazing teacher for 30 years nonstop while doing his public work. So I don't, I don't think Cornell West is a declining scholar, even though I would love to see another major academic group right. from him. I would love to see him write a book on Coltrane and 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 Anton Chekhov and all this other shit. Like I think it's amazing. He's br- Cornel West is the most original and brilliant mind I've ever seen. Right. Um, honest to God, and I've I've seen everybody. Um, and and so I would love that. But and, but even if Mike were right about that, one hundred percent, I'm not sure if we need to say that in the in public. In, well, in, in that piece, I mean, I, just, I I didn't think I didn't think that aided his argument as much. Um, but I do think. My, I understand. I did. Somebody keeps saying shit about you and fucking with you and talking shit about you. At some point, you trust, do want to clap me, back. I know. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, so so I understand the tension for me. My thing though is at this moment, now that they've now that this has happened, what can we do moving forward? Right. right? Um, how can we move forward? How can they heal? I've been trying to get them to sit down for two years. Right. Other people, Farrah Griffin, Jasmine Griffin, Professor Columbus, try to get them to sit down. So I want them to sit down, talk this out, and heal. Right. But beyond that, I need us to get back to the business while we're doing that. And neither of them have stopped loving black people. Neither of them of have course. stopped working for black people. Of course. But I need all of us to not be like fans, like right. Team Dyson, Team and, and West. P- picking, picking a dog in the fight. Yeah, yeah. fuck that. Right. The dog in the fight should be black people. Right. When the state is murdering us, but at the same time, we all do want to see a fight. We, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, it's a natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it appeals all, to our basis yes, instincts. Exactly. You'd be like, dang, because first thing Mike said, I ain't, gonna, <laughs> yeah, I ain't gonna lie. When he sent it to me, I wasn't like, oh, this is. I was like, damn, damn nigga, you killed him with that shit. Yeah. You know, that, that, was, that was that was that was my first instinct. Right. You know what I mean? And and I think it was a lot of people's. Um, again, I don't agree with every piece of it. I, I think Cornell West has paid. A, 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 I don't get into who's a profit, who's not thing. Um, I, I would just say that he has paid a, a considerable price for all of us who do radical work against the margins, against power, have to um, pay a price. Right. I pay a price all the time speaking out against Israel, speaking yes. out against uh, mass incarceration, speaking out. I mean, this shit ain't easy, man. I, 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 and I, I pay real life prices. Like, I, well, I got fired for Fox News because I, I support Mumia Abu-Jamal. On, 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 yeah, and, and uh, Asada Shakur. And, and Asada Shakur. Yeah. Yeah. I want to I get to that, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we're going to see interest. I, I want to see what happens with, with, with Doctor Doctor West. I think it might put a fire in his belly, and, and it should be pretty interesting. I hope so, man. I mean, I I, I want him to. I, I invited him to come on my show and respond. Right. But if you watch my interview with Mike, I wasn't like trying to hype it up. I wasn't like the radio hype man. No, like, you weren't. You weren't. You, you, you know what I mean? Because I ain't trying to do that. Right. And, and, and no disrespect to people to do that, but that's not my. That's not what you do. That's not what you do. Yeah, and it's not what I want to see happen. Right. Because right. I, I again, I love both of them, but also they, we need both of their minds, both of their energy. Focused, focused on yeah. the greater battle, that right? Man. And I, and I came up with Pac and Big, and watched what happened. I came up with Khalid Muhammad and Louis Farrakhan. Mm. You know what I mean? Khalid, that was that was painful, man. Khalid was my OG too, man. Really? And I remember sitting with him in, in in Atlanta at the in the AUC my freshman year of college, and he was almost in tears. And he said, "Farrakhan is doing to me what Malcolm, did, what, what, what Elijah, what Elijah did, did to, to, Malcolm. to Malcolm." And I'm not saying who's right or who's wrong, right. but what I will say is. Khalid was profoundly hurt. And what frustrated me is that although he was profoundly hurt, what he communicated was anger and rage. Mm. And what I worry is that even in that piece with Mike, you know, forget about who's right or who's wrong. There's a level of emotional connection. There's a level of hurt and pain in that, that I think sometimes as men, we don't articulate. Right. The only legible emotion men sometimes have is one of violence. Right. Mm. right? So like a nigga walk through his house, punching walls and shit, right? Kicking shit when he mad at his girl. And I'll be like, yo, what's wrong with you? Be like, yo, my girl's so emotional. I'm like, dog, you don't want to punch and kick and shit. Your hand is bleeding right now. Right, right. but we don't call that emotion. So so the only legible emotion we can show is anger. We can't say, yo, you hurt me. Anger and violence. Right, Right. you can't say, yo, this hurt me. Right. You know what I mean? And I I mean, I I fall victim to it, too. I fall into dumb shit, too. You know what I mean? We we all do. I'll be like, yo, I just want to fuck that nigga up. Like, I I get there. It's not that I don't get there. Um... I just, that's not my best self. Yeah, I, I love try. that you're saying the word nigga, my man. Oh, I call it nigga, nigga in a minute. <laughs> but but that, that's, that, that, that's, my, that, that, that's me. Yes. You know, I understand a lot of people are religious about that word. Hey, they man, whatever, whatever. I, I, I might end up saying that word till the, till the day I die. Yeah, I'm, and, yeah. And, and then I embrace it. I, I've, I've tried to fight it. Yeah, I don't fight away it. From for, a while, for a while, for a while, you were. Until Russell Simmons came on and Russell Simmons put you right back up. He's like, nigga, 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 nigga. Yo, word. Yo, I seen the video that you did on CNN with Trinidad and about the N word. And uh, what's that? What's that uh, guy's name? Ben Ferguson. Ben Ferguson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. my partner in crime on CNN. We debate every every week. Yeah. Let cool. me ask you, what, what is it about 
this whole period that we're in right now where the trend seems to be the, the, the weapon of reverse racism? Like, why does it seem like white people, and I'm not shitting on you people, why does it seem that a lot of white people right now want so badly to be oppressed? Yo, man, because they ain't never really been oppressed. Right. <laughs> like, Kupar Moody said, everybody want to be a nigga, but nobody would be they a nigga. They think that shit is sexy? What is it? Man? Well, because they feel like they're losing the country. Right. right? The, the, demographically, the country's getting more yes. and more non-white. Yes. The president and that, is and black. And that scares them. It scares them. The right. president is black. Because deep down, I think that there's a fear that... that because there's a lot, white supremacy is a logic of domination, right? That we're going to dominate culturally, demographically, in terms of state power, Economic, all this shit. Everything, everything. everything. So the worry is that if we're not in charge, that you will do to us what we did to you. I think that is part of the, and it's not that they think that black people are going to pull out guns and put them in slavery. But their fears are. are we can't think not, outside the boundary. Paulo Freire wrote a book called Pedagogy of the Oppressed. It's mm-hmm. an important book. He said. Take notes, Internet. He, he said to be is to be like, in, in the world of the oppressed, to be is to be like. And to be like is to be like the oppressor. In other words, the only model we have for humanity is to be the oppressor. It's like when you worked at McDonald's. I grew up working at McDonald's growing up, right? That was like my best job. I got me. I made my little 435 an hour. And you working it, you working that shit for like six months, and then you get promoted to supervisor. Or no better yet, your homie get promoted to supervisor. From the fries. Kanye, Kanye told us. Well, exactly. You yeah. move to the fries. And then as soon as that motherfucker get moved to the fries, the same bo- you, you be bitching about the boss all year. Then as soon as he get made a shift supervisor, a team leader, he start talking to you the way the boss did. He start acting like he owned the McDonald's. Start barking on you, right? Because the only model we have for leadership is to act like that. Right. The only model we... So as soon as we get a little step up, we got to put a foot on somebody else. It's the only logic we have. And so that's what Ferry's getting at. So I think part of the fear is because we can't think outside of that paradigm of to be in charge is to be oppressed. We just want to keep it moving, baby. We right. just want a piece of the pie right. still. Right, right, right. right. I, don't want, I don't want to do to you what you did to me. We don't right. want to give the gun to the rabbit. Right. right. When black people made... Uh, their first freedoms, not freedom song, their first sort of um, national anthem, the black national anthem, the song was Lift Every Voice. Lift right? Every Voice, right. Not Lift Black Voices, not Lift Our Voices. This is after oppression, after Jim Crow, after Jacob. It still was Lift Every Voice. We didn't say we want to suppress white voices. We want every voice to be heard. Right. We have a different democratic sensibility. White folk don't always get that, so they think that if we start running shit, it's a guilty conscience. That we go, it's not just guilt, though, because guilt makes the guilt gives assigns character to something right. that I'm saying is actually a fear of having to deal with tough shit, of having to be accountable for the shit they did. It, it's, it's, and I'm not saying all white people. I'm saying the logic of white supremacy. Right. And it's the same logic of white supremacy that governs black people, because a whole bunch of black people that, that are white supremacists, too. Right. In, in terms of their logic. Right. In terms glad, of their I'm practice. glad you said that. man. Yeah. In terms of their logic and their practice. So what I say all that to say that when they start seeing the country shifting and the demographic shifting, they're saying white people aren't safe. It's like, no, you're still safe. And if we learn anything from apartheid South Africa is that you don't need demographic majority to have power. Yes. You can still, because if, if, I, if I go into the store in the blackest part of America and I buy a flesh-colored Band-Aid and it's peach, which it is, right? Yes. It shows that the logic of what a normal I've body... I've never even thought of that. Man. Right. Because, because <laughs> I've because, never even fucking thought of because, that. Because the idea is that this is what flesh looks flesh like. Colored, flesh, flesh-colored bandage. Right. Yeah. So, right. The idea, so it, and it doesn't matter where you... White supremacy <laughs> operates it's when there ain't no white people every around. Every crevice, exactly. Yeah. Well, you don't need white people around for white supremacy. Right. But that, that's funny you say that because you made a point where uh, on the CNN part where you spoke about how white people... Uh, it's like, why would they, like, here's the thing, white people, and I'm speaking from even hearing on my side, yeah. and hearing, and being in, in, in those circles, and hearing like, well, they get to use it, why can't we use it? And and, and yeah. you made one of the greatest points where you're like, why would you want to use, use it? Like, why would you, like, look at the word, look what the word was meant for. Why yeah. would you want to even use it? And, you know. Because they feel excluded. Well, 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 well they're and, fucking. And, like, and, and white supremacy does not allow you to be excluded from anything. Right. 
Right. And they're like, if Anything. white people. Right. And, and especially from shit that black people could do. I didn't know a black person could do something that they can't do. <laughs> it's like mind boggling right. and frustrating. <laughs> like, oh my God, they, he can do it. Raheem can do it. Right. So, Mark, man, um, you know, we, we rocking the show is moving. We, we got to take a quick break. Internet, you tune into the Combat Jack Show, the CombatJackShow.com, F your radio, F your TV show, and F your podcast. Internet, this portion of the Combat Jack Show is brought to you by Bevel, the superior shaving system. I've been telling y'all, for how many weeks have I, I've been telling? I don't even, I, I don't even have no more gimmicks in my bag. I've been telling you, I've been fucking telling you, get this shit, man. I've been using Bevel now for close to a year. Haven't had no razor bumps, no teddies, no whatever the hell you call those nasty bumps that look like keloids on the side of your chin. And when you're in the club, chicks look at you and they look the other way. If you want the chicks to touch your nice, oily, smooth, baby behind skin, stop fucking with those orange and white or like plastic Gillette. I, can we even say Gillette on this ad? Fuck Gillette, man. Fuck y'all. Listen, go to Bevel. GetBevel.com. Punch in the promo code COMBAT. Stop fucking around with these toys. They, they don't give a fuck about you. My nigga, Tristan Walker created this for people with coarse and curly hair because he has a heart. He's seen how people have been suffering out here, how people have been getting taken advantage of, man. We, we, we just survived the recession. There's police brutality going on right now. The prison, was it? The prison industrial complex is swallowing us up. And this man cares to improve the quality of our lives. There's great leaders out here like, you know what I'm saying, like like the late, great Dr. Martin Luther King, you know what I'm saying, and Malcolm X, and, and Tristan Walker right now is putting his life and soul into a superior product so that you can shave with the dignity of a man while these people out here treating us like animals. Go to getbevel.com, G-E-T-B-E-V-E-L.com, punch in the promo code COMBAT, get 20% off all your all your products and your services go to getbevel.com shave like a goddamn man have dignity what up tristan selma one of the most powerful films of the year is now available on blu-ray combo pack and dvd from the producers of 12 years a slave and acclaimed director ava duvernay comes the true story of courage and hope that changed the world forever golden globe nominee david oyelowo shines as dr martin luther king jr who rallied his followers on a historic march from Selma to Montgomery in the face of violent opposition, an event that became a milestone victory for the civil rights movement. Oscar nominees Oprah Winfrey and Tom Wilkinson also star in this landmark film the New York Times calls a triumph. Only at Walmart for every buy one, teach many exclusive Blu-ray combo pack sold, Paramount will donate a Selma DVD to high schools across the country. This will allow all 18-plus million high school students the opportunity to see the film and witness the bravery and fortitude of those who fought to establish the Voting Rights Act of 1965, especially as some of these students prepare to vote for the first time in next year's elections. Own Selma on Blu-ray and DVD today from Paramount Pictures, rated PG-13. And now back to the show. I have a 15-year-old daughter. Yeah. And like when Trinidad James' song came out, or you'll hear other songs come out, you know, you'll see these kids use the N-word yeah. because it's in the song. And some of these yeah. kids are so young, I don't I, I don't want to say, but I, I feel like some of them don't really understand a lot of, a lot of them what don't. they're saying. A lot of these kids but, don't. But I have seen, like, a lot of people uh, of, of, like, older, like, yo, I better not see a white person sing that song. And I, that's the only point where I feel like, damn, somebody needs to teach these kids. That's our job. You know that's what that, I mean? That is job. That's parents' job. Right. That's community's job. So that if you listen to the that you like nigga, 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 nigga. I mean, that's a little bit different than um, just saying, yo, what's up, my nigga? Right. 
And it's not that I want white kids to to to, to spit Trinidad lyrics and, and say the N-word, because I think you can very easily teach them not to do that. That's a very easy conversation. White people have managed to control the economic system, the cultural system, the religious system, sensibilities, body. If they, have, they put a man on the moon. Right. And you're telling me I don't infantilize white people. If you can do all of that, you can understand don't call me nigga. It's real yo, simple. He, yo, this guy said the be- greatest thing, yo. You said when, when, when uh, what's the guy's name again? White guy? Ben, Ferguson, ben, ben Ferguson. Ben Ferguson said, listen, Trinidad, the only reason why you're on here for is because of, oh, the, of the girl, of the lady uh, the white lady saying uh, yeah. uh, the N word. I see you. And 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 oh, you, you know, know he, Ben said he, the trend that was only on there because his music because of has the N word in yes, it. Yes, and, and he said, said "Yo, white people have been using the N word way before Trinidad was <laughs> right. even born." We're, right, right, right. Like, that's not why. And also, we weren't on the show because Trinidad says "nigga." Right, we were on the show because that white woman said well, "nigga." Yeah. But it's like we always, we all. It's like saying, it's like when police beat people. that say, "Well, it wouldn't happen if you didn't run." No, it right. wouldn't happen if you hadn't beat me. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like the, you could all because if you take that logic backwards, and you're an attorney, you understand the, the, the common argument was, "Well, then if the parents were never born, you know, none of this shit would happen." You can always find a root of causality. At some point, you have to be all accountable for what you do and what you did. And so for me with the N-word, my thing is, yo, white, well, this is birth out of white supremacy. You we should rap, want to use that. Rap did not create this. Yes. Not at all. But they, it somehow becomes about them. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, And, and that is white privilege. Right. Because at, at the end of the time, he's like, this is just unfair to white people. And I'm like, only in white supremacy would a conversation about niggas be <laughs> about unfair. the unfairness to, black, to white people. <laughs> That's not right. Right. Listen, man. You got your start, your, your television start at Fox, yeah. Fox News. Yeah. Talk about that. How did that happen, man? You know, um, that that that's that's crazy. Bill O'Reilly, he looked L- out. L- really? Yeah. Well, I, I I had done a couple spots on CNN and it went really well. Um, not great, but re- on pre- CNN. On CNN, right? Uh, and then producers, TV producers are very simple people, man. In the best sense of this, they nobody, everybody's thinking they're going to get fired, right? So you never want to put new people on because because if you get fired for putting somebody on, you're like fuck, right? right. So. So you try and get people you've already seen or people that are already People that you're on. comfortable with, people yeah. that have a good curating in the whole night. Exactly. Right. Or just people who will be good guests who won't do nothing wild, like jump right. over the chair. You right. know what I mean? You know, with us, they always think that's a possibility. So I want to ask how you don't do that. Yeah, I'll like, tell you. I'll tell you. But um, so what happened was they saw me seeing in a couple of times and Bill O'Reilly's people called me in. Really? And I went on the show. You going, get the call. Yeah. From Bill O'Reilly's And I was hyped, right? Because, right. I mean, this was, you know, I mean, the biggest cable news show in the world. Right. Still is, right? Ratings wise. We debated something, Paris Hilton, I think. Something stupid. Um, and I did okay, enough for them to call me back in a month. This time we debated Obama. This mm. is before Obama was even right. president. And he was saying, somebody had said, uh, Obama is articulate. And people were saying, well, this is offensive. you know, mm-hmm. to, 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 Which it is. To, yeah, of course it is. And he's like, white people are, are nervous. We can't call you people anything. So we went through this whole bit. And I was explaining to him why calling somebody who, marveling at the fact that somebody who graduated from Harvard and Columbia University would be articulate. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Is, is absurd and offensive. I whooped his ass, in my estimation. It's still right. on the internet. Y'all can judge for yourself. But um, Bill O'Reilly loves a good debate. Unlike yes. the other people at Fox News, Bill loves a good debate. He always thinks he wins. So he doesn't have the the, the, the problem. <laughs> like Because some people, like Sean Hannity, I, I whooped his ass so many times. He's like, I don't want him on I'm no not more. messing with him. Bill thinks he won. Right. And Bill loves the engagement because Bill's smart and Bill's thoughtful, even, even if you disagree with his politics. So we went back and forth. And after that, every week he started calling me. So after about six months, this, I was like, yo, I called Fox News. I was like, yo, man, can I get a job? And he's like, you want to work here? Now, let me ask you something, though, man. When you, when, with, with, with all this information that you have, with all these experiences, man, is, is that like, are you being a capitalist? Or you're like, yo, I can, or, or, am I giving something back? Yeah, I mean, so. Like, what is that, what drives you that, to that decision? Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not judging. No, no, it's no. Just, it's interesting. Money is never the issue. I never right. make decisions based on money. Right. Good. Um, Good for you. Man. I've never, I can honestly say, I, I won't say never, but it, almost never have I made a decision based on money. Right. 
And and, and it's always I, I think I've been blessed because I don't make decisions based on money. Right. I I teach at Morehouse. Yeah, I took an oath of poverty to work at yeah. HBC, right? Yeah. You know, what I, mean? I could work. I I've, I get offers from Ivy League schools from schools that pay. I, I took a I took a sixty five percent pay cut to mm. work at Morehouse. Mm. I am the lowest paid professor at Morehouse if I remember. Wow, by choice you, you are. Yeah, I, when they called With me, all these accolades you are. Yeah, because they said I said I want to work at HBCU. They right. said well, we can't afford you. I said I said if money's not an issue, how can we make this work? They said okay, I made it work. I said who's the lowest paid professor? Don't tell me who it is, but tell me how much they make. I said give me one dollar less than them. <laughs> so. I don't make decisions based, right, on, based money. on money. It's okay. just not my thing. So with Fox, it was like, it wasn't that I wanted to, I was already on Fox. Right. My thing was, I don't want Fox to exploit me. I'm not right. going to get up there and give them 4 million, 5 million rating, people ratings or help contribute to that. Because you're, you're, you're doing well for their ratings. Yeah. Right. My spots always were a spike in the ratings. So my thing is, well, if I'm doing y'all a solid and I'm getting, I, I might as well get paid for it. And it wasn't like they paid me a lot, but it was like, it's my job. So I did that for, I did that through the, through the uh, election. I did that after the election. It, it, Bill, I did all the shows. Bill O'Reilly was like home. Right. Um, they eventually fired me. But uh, but how is it working at Fox, man? It, it's Fox is to news what the WWE is to sports. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's not exactly news. It's news like it's hype. Yeah. It's we're going to hype right. our base. Right. So it's just like back in the day, Sergeant Slaughter and Iron Sheik got caught yeah. sniffing coke in their car together. And, and you're like, to be more, yeah, and you're like more, mortal enemies. Yeah. Like, fuck. And they like, yeah, that's you know, that's kayfabe, right? right? That's on the street. Nikolai Volkov gave it to them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Word. <laughs> so, like, literally, like, this is this is how it goes, right? So, it's the same thing, man. I, I, but, I, but, 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 so not, it wasn't hard to work there because off camera, we all is all is whatever. But, but not everybody's playing that game in that building. That's true. So, when you have somebody that really believes. And that ideology, and they're looking at you, kind of sh- like. But they don't, honestly. I can honestly say during my time at Fox News, and I, I would. I mean, I I wish I had like this crazy, like dastardly right. Fox News stories. I don't. When I went in the building, the camera people are liberal. Most of the bookers are really. Liberal. Yeah, I mean, like, get the fuck out of yeah, here. I mean, now, now up top, Roger Ailes them a super conservative. Right. Rupert Murdoch is obviously, yes, of course, you know. But you don't see them, you know. So my day to day experience at Fox was just like, hey, Mark, how's your weekend? Right. You know, we go out for drinks. We get, you know, fucked up afterward, whatever that they do. I didn't as much. I drank with them, but, you know, right. some people do other stuff. And, you know, it was normal. You know, when you get on camera for them three minutes and 30 seconds, it's it's ridiculous, it's right? Like, and you want to punch somebody in the face. You hit people wanna, in the head with the chairs. Yeah, and all, all that. Yeah. Right. But then it's over. How is Bill, man? Because one thing I do notice in, in, in you guys' interaction is he really looks like he looks like he really genuinely likes you and respects yeah. you. I mean, if... I had a good relationship with Bill O'Reilly. Right. I haven't talked to him in about a year or so uh, since I left for CNN. Right. Um, but I left for CNN actually about two years ago now. Um, me and Bill would go. Sometimes we went. We, one time we took me Yankees Red Sox game. And we, is that is that is that? Are you like yo? I I don't want to see. I I don't want people to see us together. Like, are you feeling like that? No, nah, I mean it's not the homie. We don't right. we don't kick it all the time. But like you know, like <laughs> you drove that listener YG. <laughs> right, right. Send him that. Yeah, like we, <laughs> that's funny. We, we 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 cool though. Like I mean, like we're cool. Like right. we we talk when we talk. We make small talk and we keep it moving. It's very right. professional. But he, when they were trying to fire me, he's the one who fought for me. Even really? if they let mm. me go, he's like he still can come on my show. Right. Like Bill rode for me in a lot of ways. Um, I think he's a decent person. I think he's an honest person. I think he's like the average white middle class person in terms of his sensibilities. And I don't even though if you listen to this, you know, conversation, people might think I'm demonizing white people. I'm not. I'm demonizing white supremacy yes. and the impact it has on right. black and white people. I love everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I hate white supremacy. I right. hate racism. I hate homophobia. I hate patriot. I hate all this stuff and I want to fight it. So when I see somebody like Bill O'Reilly, I'm trying to challenge him to be different 
as I'm sure he is me. And um, and it's an interesting, fun thing. But we laugh. We talk shit. It's cool. You know, I, I look at Bill and, and he's really good at what he does. But the best at this point right now, I used to hate Bill. But at this point right now, I'm like, he's really great at what he does. He's Vince McMahon. But he's I don't get the sense he's an evil guy. He's just doing some evil shit. If you talk but to Bill O'Reilly, yeah. if you talk to Bill O'Reilly about 10 issues, mm-hmm. you would agree with him on four of them. Right. You would be somewhere in the range of agreement on two of them. And th- no, nah, maybe not four. You would agree with them on three of them. You yeah. might be in a range of agreement on one or two. And then it'd be five that y'all just totally disagree. Can't on. fuck with that. His show is about the five that you totally disagree with. Him That's on. what it is. It's not so. So it's not that he's that different to everybody else because his base would disagree on your all 10 thing. Yes. You dig what I'm saying? Right. He's not all 10. He's just the five. But he knows how to make a show that appeals to people by only showing the five. And that's his job. And that's his job. If you were to talk to Bill O'Reilly about uh, corporate bailouts, he'd say that's fucked up, just yeah. like you would. Right. If you were to talk to Bill O'Reilly about the environment, he believes in global warming, I believe, as, as I understand it. I think he believes in gay marriage still. I, 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 let me take back gay marriage. I don't want to speak for him right. on that. But I know there are at least two, there are issues that we would talk about and agree on, but those were never the topics of the show. That's, that's, that's X'd out. He, he gives those people red meat. I, I, he gives them what they want. He gives them what they want. Right. He's, he's a master showman. He is Vince McMahon. He is... You know, he is Barry Gordy. Yes. You know what I mean? He's he Puff knows. Daddy. He's Puff Daddy. Yes. That's classic. So 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 this so this issue comes up where you're supporting quote unquote these cop killers. Here's the thing. I was never not supporting Asada Shakur and 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 and, and I have Asada Shakur tattooed on my arm on my her face is tattooed on my body. Right. My left arm is Asada Shakur, my right arm is Malcolm X. Like I, I got the Cuban Revolution tat slogan tattooed. I mean, like I I, you I tatted I, it up, man? I, Yeah, I I wrote, I wrote a book with Mumia. Right. Like like, like, but this, but this issue comes up. It comes. That's what I'm saying. It's disingenuous. It's not. We found out he had radical ties. Get the fuck out of here. What but, happened? But is was, that how was it? Is that how it was presented? Yeah. What happened was I got in an online argument with somebody, which right. I shouldn't do. This is why you don't feed trolls on Twitter. Yes. Mm-hmm. I got in an online argument with somebody, and it blew up. It turned bigger. They wrote a blog about it. They got mad, and the person who wrote the blog was mad because they were no longer on Bill O'Reilly because their spot got taken. Right. So they were really tight with Bill. They were t- like mad at Bill. Um, and, and David Horowitz wrote a piece, uh, well-known extremist in my estimation. He wrote something that said, Mark Lamont Hill is one of a, a new generation of black academics who are positioned beyond their intelligence. Okay. So basically saying, I'm not smart enough to do what I do. I'm just there because I'm black. Typical right? shit. Yeah, regular, regular shit. Right? Regular shit. I he, responded, he thinks he's being smart. Right. I responded, right, which you, I should you not You fell have. into the trap. Because it was David Harwell. He's a big man. He wrote that book, America's Most Dangerous Professors, all this other right. shit. So I felt I don't respond to everybody, but he seemed appropriate. So you're punching up. Right. I thought I was. Right. So we got into this battle. So then they started. So then one of his lackeys dug in, or somebody else. It wasn't even him. This other guy started digging into my, my, um, my bio. Oh, he okay. saw the stuff. He happens to have, like, one share of stock in News Corp. Like, I mean, like, literally, he probably put, like, like $20 in News Corp. Right. He ain't got no money. He went to the shareholder meeting because he's technically a shareholder. He raised his hand and said, why do you have a, a person on, on staff who supports cop killers? Rupert Murdoch says, oh, we fired him a week ago, which wasn't true. I'd been right. on the, the air all week. Right. Um, I was on my way there. I read in the Hollywood Reporter that I'd been fired. That's fucked up. I got a phone call from NPR. Yo, how you react to your fire? And I was like, I ain't get fired. I tweeted, yo, don't believe the rumors. Yo, I ain't been fired. Everything is everything. Then I got a call from Bill Sean, the VP, and said, yo, we got to let you go. That was the end of it. How'd you feel, man? I mean, getting fired publicly is embarrassing, right? right? I, it wasn't the job. I mean, it was my first major TV job. People knew me at that point. Were you attached to it, though? I mean, I know you've never made any decisions based on money. But, it wasn't financial. But you, but you know when you have something yeah, that yeah. you work at and you want to continue growing and you don't want to necessarily believe in the hype, but you want to yeah. at least get that ring. It was ego. Right. It was ego. It wasn't the money. They didn't pay me enough for me to be tripping about money. Right. I had a, my daughter was 
four, five at the time. So, so I mean, bills were real, and I didn't, I didn't make that much money because I was at, you know, I was a professor at Columbia. I didn't have all this other stuff going on. I did okay. I mean, I, I did, you know, you know, regular, regular middle class life, but in New York, you know, that ain't. You got to be rich to be poor in New York. <laughs> and a nickel costs a dime in New York. You know what yeah, I mean? You got to so, be rich to be poor in New York. Exactly. That's real. That's real. <laughs> So, you know, so the money was a small part, but really it was the ego. And, and every single person, like when you get fired when you're on TV, it's not like getting fired as a teacher or as a lawyer or anything else because people you know it. You can't lick your wounds. Right. You being fired is news. So as you're walking down the street mad as shit, people walking up to you like, yo, dog, I'm sorry that happened. Yo, dog, I'm sorry that happened. Yo, you you don't really want to hear that shit. You really just want to eat your <laughs> Leave sandwich. You need a fuck alone. Right. And then haters call you like, yo, dog, I'm sorry <laughs> that shit. And you can hear in their voice they happy yeah, shit. Yeah, they yeah. can't even hide the smile <laughs> on their face. Motherfucker. And, and I'm right. sure, and social media is, is fucking. Oh, ruthless. it's the worst. Right. And then what happens is, right, people, and you know this business, y'all know this. It's the same as in, in, in any business. TV is like radio, it's like hip hop, it's like everything else. When you on TV, People answer your calls. People mm-hmm. text you. Now suddenly, people I could get in damn. contact with five people ain't answering no Sending more. Sending you a voicemail. Yeah, all of a sudden, about voicemail and shit. I'm like, damn. So, so the game changed for me a little bit. I I went on TV. I started floating, doing other networks. Um, and did then, you feel you had something to prove? Yeah, a little bit. Right, a little bit. I wanted to get back up. I wanted to go right to MS. I wanted to go right to, to CNN. I wanted to go right to somewhere. Those opportunities weren't right readily available. Right. A year later, I got a job for Black Enterprise. Uh, How did that feel? It was it was different because they wanted me to host. Right. And I'd never hosted anything before. Being a commentator is very different than hosting. Being a guest is very different than doing what y'all doing course, right now. Right, right. I've learned how to do it. I think I'm pretty good at it, but I wasn't then. Right. But they gave me a chance, man. And they gave me three or four years of, of opportunity to learn how to host, how to interview, um, and how to do this stuff. And while I was doing that, I eventually made it over to Huffington Post, where I cut my teeth doing live live hosting. I like that. I like. How do you like that, man? I, I love it, man. Right. It's beautiful because I get to do it. First of all, it's five days a week. It's live. I learned how to be a good host. But I get to do every this week alone, right? Uh, I'm, tomorrow I'm doing a segment on mass incarceration, talking about, uh, uh, and I'm also doing a segment on police investigation. I'm, I'm investigating what it means for police to say we're investigating mm-hmm. a shooting, right? Okay, right. So I mean, that's information for the people, right? Today I interviewed Scarface. Yes, OG Scarface. I got to sit down with my OG. I mean, who? The, and, 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 and I saw a face, and he was like, "Yo, man, I love what you're doing, man." Da da da. We build and we rap, and I get to sit down with somebody who, when I grew up, my one of my first hip hop records, other than it was K, it was it was it was BDP, mm. um, it was Kane, and it was that it was the it was the Ghetto Boys, Ghetto Boys, and the one the first the one in '93 when um, Bushwick is on the, the hospital. Oh gurney. yeah 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 yeah. You know what I mean? And the, the cell the, phone. The, the Rick Rubin album. Yeah, the, the, the mind, mind playing tricks on yeah, well, yeah. yeah, exactly. And for, so for me. To now walk up and see Face there. I had Waka on yesterday, which is cool. That's my man, too. Waka's um, a great guest, man. He's a great guest. He's smart. Waka's he's funny. A great guest. And it's also interesting now to be 36 and for these rappers, these athletes to be like my young boys. Not like right. not like son of him. I mean, just like I'm but 10 years what older it, than them. That's what it is. And, so, they, and they look up to you. Yeah. Sense, and, right. and it's, it's crazy for Waka to be like, because yeah, we supposed to, me and Waka was supposed to do a tour uh, of high schools doing anti gang stuff. And I forget because I'm like, not just because he's six foot like six, but because like I forget that these now rappers and basketball players are younger than me. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I have a different relationship to them. So being able to host and talk to them gives me an opportunity to learn from them, but also to give advice and mentor and, and, and work with them. So it's great. So, you know, but then I also sit down with, with sitting president. I sat down with or former president. I sat, sat down with Jimmy Carter. I sat down with some senators. I sit down and interview people. I get to meet anybody I want and talk to people. And it's not I'm not into like celebrity shit. Like I'm not like. I'm not like riding celebrities. I'm right. not star fucking. I'm not doing none of that stuff. For me, it's about. I mean, it is an honor to sit down with Felicia Rashad and of say, course. "Yo, I watched you my whole life, and now I get to talk to you." I got to sit with Phil Donahue and Larry King, people who I watched be great hosts, and, and give me a stamp and say, "Yo, we like what you're doing," but also learning from them. That's beautiful. 
but it's also an opportunity to grow and expand a conversation because the conversations that I have there are different than the ones I have on CNN, right. which are different than the ones I have on BET. I love all of them the right. same. It's like children. You love all your children Most the same. Most definitely. You can't, you can't just pick one. Right, but but all of them have their own uniqueness and specialness. Have you ever had a chance to uh, really just take a moment to really admire what, what's happening? Like, you know? I try not to, man. I probably should. I, I give thanks, you know, but sometimes, it, you, you know what happens? It happens on a day like today. Mm. When I walk up and say, yo, my name is Mark. He's like, hey, nigga, I know who you are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Motherfucker Scarface. And I'm like, shh. You know, Scarface got a book uh, out. Uh, yeah, go cop that into Yeah, Die Every Madman. It's a beautiful book, man. He tells his whole story. He talks about mental illness. He talks, I mean, every, that's what we were talking about right. today. And that's what I mean. Those are the moments where I get stunned, right? Where somebody who I admire says something to me. And also when young kids walk up to me and say, yo, thank you. You know what I mean? Like, it get, I, I, I am genuinely, like, honored by it. And, right. and, and it excites me. And it makes me feel like this work is worth doing because there's a whole lot of days where this shit is just hard. There's a whole lot of days where you're frustrated. There's a whole lot of days where you got to do stuff that you don't want to do. And there's a whole lot of days where you have arguments that you think aren't fruitful. Right. You know, what What I do love about what you're doing with HuffPo Huff Live is, you know, you've been on tele- you are on television. You, yeah. You're on all these big platforms. But, you know, you hear about these ventures online and they they kind of fizzle out. But yeah. you, you, you've you taken this platform, it seems, to a different level. Man, I, I'm blessed, man. You know, online, I was I was sketchy about the online right. platform. Because it has that bad rep. We, yeah. I'm going to do this for a couple of months. And then it it's dies. It's going to fizzle out. And, I'm gonna... and major people have done it and right. it dies out. Yes, yes, yes. Right? It's like trying to make your own social media site. It dies out sometimes. Right. Brilliant people, amazing, dope people do it. Um, HuffPost, the thing that I thought would make it have legs is the fact that the Huffington Post itself has 200 million Clicks, 200 million viewers. Yes. More than 200 million. Click 200 million viewers. Right. So I'm like, if we just get a slice of that for this, we ride, right? right. Um, the live experience is one thing. VOD, video on demand, is the other piece of it, right? So people might not, people didn't watch my interview with Michael Eric Dyson live, but they watched it later, right? right? So all that together made me believe in it, but I still was, wasn't sure. But the content and the opportunity it's to have it, content, is, it, it, you know, I think that's what carries us, man. It's not just me, it's a whole team of, of amazing people that make it happen. And HuffPost Live for me is great. And honestly, I get more eyeballs on HuffPost Live than I do CNN. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, HuffPost, I get, I, I mean, I did an interview with, uh, I, I'm just trying to think, the one, I did an interview with Phil Donahue. I did an interview with Pebbles one time. I'm just thinking of random interviews yeah. right after the TLC <laughs> show. Yeah. Pebbles. Right. That's crazy. <laughs> Three million people watched it that's online, yeah, like yeah, at, yeah, in yeah. that moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, online I, live. Yeah. J- yeah. That, that's a, that's J- amazing. Amazing, right? Jada Pinkett comes on, right? We killed it, man. She She was talking about open marriages and shit, man. We might we might have rocked out, man. We might have got ten million people, and the TV that's picked it up live, live. That's you crazy. know what I mean? Oh, live and VOD. Right, live right. was like a million or two. Okay, um, and, that, that's still phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing, man. And, and it's we, in the middle of the day. People are supposed to be at work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they are, and they can watch yeah, it. Yeah, right? so people are supposed <laughs> to be yeah. at work. But cable news, it, quiet as kept, is dying, man. MSNBC, Dayside, a lot of times getting two hundred thousand viewers, man. You want to fuck with Tory? Ask him how many viewers he got. At, at two o'clock, man. white Tore. Next white time we call you White Tore, right? <laughs> next, time you, next time we call you something, man. You, you know what I mean? Instead of calling you White Tore, asking about his viewers. I'm not, I'm not, son, I'm not clowning uh, Tore. That's my man. Nah, nah he, he's dope. I, yeah, he's that's my dope. dude. Just I'm just saying, ammunition, though. I'm just saying, though. Like eyeball wise, right. TV is losing the fight. CNN, we're we're dying. Wow. I won't say we're dying. Let me not say that. Almost but like radio, but but, 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 but but it's not like we were before. Right. It's the, not the, as it's, it's like hip hop, right? A million records was the, was the standard. 200,000 right now. Now, if you move killing. two or three, yeah. you know what I mean, and you got good video play and you and you touring and you're doing other stuff, you're rocking. It's the same thing with, with cable news. Yeah, how do you maintain your composure when somebody's in your face? They're insulting you. They're insulting your people. They're insulting your intelligence. Yeah. And and it's 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 heated. You're passionate. How do you not smack a motherfucker in the mouth? You know, I, I'm disciplined Art. for a couple reasons, man. How? One is I learned a lot. Being on Fox News trained me to this point. And there's other experiences right. too, like like I pledged, right? I pledged a fraternity, right? What would so, you pledge? Cap. Okay. Cap officer. So, so sorry to hear that, man. Um, you must be. <laughs> no. 
Oh, Sigma. Sigma. Oh, man. You know, I never see any Sigmas I, on the show ever. What he, yeah, yeah. Kappa. He's an immigrant. Kappa. Now, Kappa. Now, Kappa. Hey, no, 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 Kappa. Don't start. Don't start. Because you, you didn't know, no, but you came to the country. No, don't start. You, you saw the first country color don't you saw. Don't start. Those show's you, over. You, show's over. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this nigga's a Sigma. Damn, yeah. You was, wow. Yes. I'm sorry. Well, New York is a, is, a, is, a, is a Sigma state, man. Uh, okay, if you yeah. say so. Yeah. I, I, I'll remember that next time I go to the Kappa party. Um, the country frat, man. Damn. Yes, sir. Yeah, so... So, you know, that taught me, that was one of the first moments where it was like, okay, wait a minute. A whole lot of shit going to happen that you can't react to. Right. You can't respond to, right? So that, that was a kind of discipline, right? You know, um, also just going up in a black household, you can't talk back to your mama, right? right? So there's a certain level of discipline. But in the street, you learn, like, people talk to you a certain way, you respond you, you, a certain you gotta way. You got to steal on them. That's all you could do, right? right. Um, if you, particularly if you were in a certain space, right. you know what I mean? Um, I've gotten better at, at managing anger, managing my temper. What's the and closest life. you got, man? Uh, punches dude in the face a couple years ago. I mean, that's probably. Oh, you mean the closest on TV? On TV, yeah. I've never wanted to fight on TV. Really? It's not real, man. Right. I grew up. I grew up around real shit. Like right. I'm not a gangster. Your life man. wasn't threatened. You, you the whole. Yeah, moment. I mean, I grew up around real shit. I, I, you know but but I mean? then, so how do you maintain your composure? Because when I get upset, I mean, I get loud. I, I'm, not, I'm not articulate. Like I'm not articulate. Yeah, but like, um, here's how I do it, right? Because like I said, I, the only time I get angry is like when I'm playing basketball. And like I said, I got in a fight a couple years ago playing ball. You know, what I mean, that's the only time I still get angry. But like. In real on TV, first of all, when I if you and I are debating on TV, I'm not I'm talking to you, but I'm not talking. Have you ever seen a cable news debate where somebody said, "You know what? You got a point. You're right. Mm. You know I was wrong. Never mind. No, never. You right. The history of cable. You got to stick to your guns. That's your job. Yeah, your job is to be right, right. right. And the other person's job is to be right. It's not to reach consensus. It's not to come to. So, I don't feel frustration at the person to hear my point of view because it's not going to happen. I'm not debating to persuade you. Like if we out here talking about who's a better ball player, KD or LeBron, I might really be trying to persuade you, right? right? On TV, I'm not trying to persuade you. I'm trying to persuade the three million people watching. So for me, it's a better performance. You're yeah, trying to give a better performance. Yeah, but it's also it's a real it's pedagogical for me. I'm really trying to teach somebody. Right. So for me, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not thinking about you as much as I'm thinking about the person at home. And some of those people at home are already invested in the narrative that black people are wild and violent and animalistic and irrational and all, and driven purely by passion. So I'm I'm trying to teach them something too. So for me to jump across the table and smack the shit out of this crazy <laughs> racist conservative isn't going to, it will like, feel uh, good for that moment. I will get fired. And then he's a professional. And no one's going to trust you. Yeah, the closest I came to, the only time I ever really turned up like that was with the Trinidad James thing. And I wasn't ready to fight. Nah, I was just like, I'm, I'm just like well. shut the fuck up. Yeah, I'm just like, that's all I really wanted to say. <laughs> so I just used nigga promiscuously, you know what I mean? Because that's, that's all I could do and stay on TV. When you handled the professional. Well, was it a tactic to use the, the, the was it? No, it wasn't. Right. I was just finished teaching class. I, was, I, I teach a Jay-Z Nas class in Morehouse this semester. So I probably was a little hyper. I had, right, right, right. You know, I had music. I had some music in me. And it was t- I was tired. I was, in, it, I was irritated. And I didn't know what the segment was. Right. Um, I didn't know what it was going to become. I knew what it was about, but I didn't know what it was going to become. And I didn't know Trinidad was going to be there. And that's my man. Shout out to Trinidad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he was there and then Ben was engaging him, I was like, I just got madder and madder. Right. And I'm just, and it was, it, it, post Ferguson, post Eric Garner, post all this shit, I was just tired of people saying dumb shit. Right. So I was like, yo, I'm going to just turn up. And, 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 it was in the moment. It wasn't a strategy, but in the moment, I just did it. And beautiful, afterwards, beautiful performance. I didn't know, but I, you know, you, you know, you do it and then you go home. I don't, I don't watch myself on TV or nothing like that. Why not? Um, just you do it every day. I right, mean, right. you know, what I mean, is there a point you ever did? Yeah, yeah. I used to do it to get better. I used to do it to get better. And, and, and you know, for, I mean, first year you just do it because yo, I'm yeah, on TV. Yeah, that's me. After that, it gets me. old. I mean, I've probably been on TV five thousand times. I'm on TV every day. Yeah. So I don't. I, when I go home, I want to watch the game. I ain't yeah. gonna worry about myself. 
But um, people kept texting me. And people who don't normally text me, like, yo, what the fuck was you doing? Yo, that was crazy. You know what I mean? People, and I was like, oh, I must have really. Then I read, I was like, oh, damn, I didn't know I did it like that. So then um, I, I said, that's probably the most angry I've got. Yesterday was pretty bad, too. But right. in general, I try not to. Um, I try to convey calmness and discipline because um, I want to. Uh, I want to. Pers- that's just my personality. Right. I, I really, I'm a zero to 60 kind of dude. Like, I don't. I'm calm all the time, and I don't really have a pause button if I get to 60, so I... I but sometimes you got to pull that yapa out, B. Right. Sometimes you got to right. bring the yapa out. <laughs> the yapa out. <laughs> you don't want to, right? But when you do, it's effective, man. And that's why... When I, you do, it's effective. And that's why, also why I don't do it a lot. Right, because you don't want to blow that... Yeah. That you, don't, you, don't want, you don't want that crazy shit. Yeah. Combat yeah. asked you how it was dealing with people on air, and, and for my question, really, is how was it dealing with off air, like in the behind the scenes? Because I have like a lot of friends. Once a month, I meet up with a couple of uh, dudes... All black dudes. Yeah. And uh, they work in corporate in mm-hmm. the city, HBO, this. And and they speak about how, like, you know, that and, – and it's not only about white people, but they speak about how it's like, uh, you know, when they get introduced to other, like, executives in, 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 the, in the office. Like, it's like uh, – well, watch them talk. Go ahead, talk. Hey, would talk like you know, <laughs> right, like, right. You know, like kind of like, like they're a pet or something. Yeah, yeah like 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 Malcolm I, described it, right? Like the pet. I, I the mean, pink poodle. I mean, this is the conversations that but, we. But you don't have. get that. I, I've been lucky, man. You don't get that. Uh, I'm gonna say it's never happened, but right. I have great experience I, being at Morehouse, even at Columbia and Temple. I didn't have that experience. BET has been wonderful to me. CNN has been a great place. Um, and I'm not just. I know people say that just so they keep they they relationships, but honestly, I haven't had those relationships in corporate right. at all and people on the street show me love man i have never once never once had a bad experience on the street with anybody for all i get i get hate mail every day i right. get death threats every day now yeah i want to talk about that yeah you, you, i mean you're talking that the country's crazy yeah and and you're a prominent figure that, that that's saying shit that they don't want to hear yeah how do you handle like the death threats and and, and i ignore it man i'm not, really I, I, I ain't really scared of much man right. I, again i don't know hyper masculine or ego shit i ain't no thug i'm just I, i'm not scared of much and, and i think because I see so much in email and nothing on the street. Right. I feel like these are all like But you can't be internet. You can't go either. you can't get caught sleeping though. No, you cannot. Right. And I don't. I look both you know Have I, you I, been I, places where it's like, you know what, when you travel a country, do you go places it, where when it's I like, go to deep, deep south, right. uh there's been a couple of times where I was like, Yo, I probably don't need to be here. I see people whispering and shit and saying stuff. Um, one time on an airplane, this dude just moved his seat. He was like, you're that okay. liberal from Fox. I was like, Yeah, he's like, Yeah, he just he hit the button quickly and got the fuck up. Hey, move, like, move, motherfucker. Yeah, that's right. the worst. You know what I mean? But, like, you know, when I'm in the South, I'm in Deep South, I get it a little bit. But most of the time, honestly, I, I, no no one has ever done or said anything to me in person. Yeah. That's that's on everything. Like, nobody's ever done or said anything to me on pers- in person. Got a couple more questions yeah, for you, Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Whatever um, y'all need. You talked about how, you know, the cops ran up in your crib. Your father pulled out the gun. Mm-hmm. He walked away from that. Yeah. Um, that's the police story. The police you know. story. But. And, you know, I've been around long enough to see where, you know, things, particularly in New York City, where New York was, you know, bankrupt and it was it was it was like the wild, wild west. Yeah. But you didn't hear as much with regard to police killing blacks. I mean, black people did walk away from a lot of incidents. They got fucked up. Yeah. But they they walked away from it. Yeah. Why is it turned up right now? I mean, is it turned up? I'm not convinced that it is. I think black people, I think we have more surveillance. Right. I think we know it's more. It's the digital age. We have more access. Right. It's just like everything else. Presidents ain't fucking more. Right. Senators ain't doing coke more. Right. Celebrities ain't, you know what I mean, creeping more. <laughs> we just got more Twitter, more access to them, right? right. We know their relationships more. Do you believe that? Because uh, I, yeah. I think there's a correlation between Obama being in the White House and shit getting turned up. 
I, Obama being in the White House has increased white anger. It yes. has increased the number of hate groups and militia groups. I mean, this is documentable stuff. Um, but I think law enforcement as an institution, as an extension of state power, has been what it is for a long time. Always. Since, since, slave since catchers. they won. Since yeah, they so won. slave catching yes. forces, right, prior to the police as such. Um, and I think now we have more access. I do think that at this moment, it's actually interesting because I think this moment, as, as dark as it is, I see possibility in it. The thing that scared me about Obama, the reason why I didn't support Obama, the reason why I don't endorse or support Obama. You didn't? No. I wrote a piece in 2007, 2008 called uh, Not My Brand of Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, I defend Obama from white supremacist idiots and, and, and unfair critiques. And when I'm on TV, I often have to take Obama's side, not because I don't. It's not inauthentic. I believe what I'm saying because I, I disagree with the critique. Like, for example, if Obama says I'm going to normalize relations with, with Iran. And, and, and make a, a, a nuclear deal with Iran, I think that's the right move. Right. I don't agree with Obama's policy on the Middle East in general, um, and I prefer someone else be president. Right. But I, don't th- I think Obama's right on that. And, and, but they're, they're, on the right, they'll be like, oh, he's wrong, he, he hates Israel, da 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 So I'll defend him at that level, but on a deeper level, Obama's Middle East policy is bankrupt. It's profoundly problematic. So, um, so in, in that way, I, I don't support Obama. I, I, I don't, but, but my... Trouble with Obama beyond his policy is that I think he ushered in a moment where people felt a certain notion of progress was in in place, where people said, oh, we've overcome. Some right. people say we're post-racial. Right, right, right. So it made it easier for bad stuff to happen because people could say, well, we're not racist. You got a black president. Right. And, and black folk weren't as aggravated. For example, I'll give you a concrete example. In 2004, I'm marching in D.C. against, against the war, against Bush, right. against drones, against strikes. Black people out there, white people out there. We were in D.C. Um, uh, I mean, everybody was out there. Now I'm I'm still fighting against drones in Yemen. I'm still fighting against the occupation of Palestine. I'm still fighting against this un, this these unjust wars and these proxy wars right. and such. But black people are like, well, Obama's president. Just wait, right. wait till he's done. Right, you, right. As if I'm fucking with Obama. I'm do, I'm trying to protect people in Yemen, in, in Iraq, right. in, in in North Philly, especially as Obama turns up. Exactly, right. exactly. So I think that um, in some ways, the fact that things are getting so bad is forcing us to wake up again. Right. And the fact that it's happening at the end of his presidency is probably not a coincidence. But the fact uh, like before, if a police officer kills somebody, the average person would be like, well, we get in the benefit of the doubt. Right. Mm-hmm. It's hard for a jury to go against police. Right. But after this case and that case and this case, and that case, even the average person is like, eh, maybe we need to look some more. So I think I, I saw a T-shirt yesterday that said even white people are tired of police brutality. Yes. That's a great <laughs> shirt. If you can yo, send me that. I'm going to go get that made. man. Like because that's real. And, and, and that's what I'm saying. The tide has shifted. The right. world is shifting. I hope. But that means we need a radical presence everywhere to continue the pressure. Because when Hillary comes in, if she comes in, um, Think shit's gonna tamper down? It might, right? It really? might, man. We can't, we, we we can't continue to operate on this myth um, that Democrats are going to save us, right? You think the world is ready for a woman president? I do, yeah, of course, I do. I I'm, so I'm, I'm, um, I, I'm think so, but I'm just wondering. Yeah, I, do. I mean, after Obama, yeah, they like they like at least we white again. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but but beyond just the, the the racial and gender politics of it, Hillary Clinton supports big government. She supports yes. the occupation of Palestine. She supports. The liquidation of, of of African resources, maybe not directly, but in terms of what she's done and not done in policy, and what the Clintons have done, um, she supports you know uh, market based approaches to, to fixing education. All the things that I think are wrong. Right. She, yeah. she supports. She and supports, she supports uh, her man having a side check once in a while. Yeah. Hey, you know what I mean? And it, it, you know, and it's funny because the fact that America <laughs> obsessed about that more than the fact that Bill Clinton supported three strikes and mm. welfare and welfare reform, mm. welfare to work. 
and prison litigation reform act and all this other shit shows where we are as a country, right? Because mm-hmm. if if I mean, do I want Bill Clinton um, exploiting and preying upon young women in the White House? Do I want him to be a se- uh, to be uh, engaged in those activities? No. Uh, it's not because he's married. It's because of the exploitative nature right, of, of, course, of the, the dynamic. Power, yeah, yeah it's, it's, I'm, I'm not moralizing at the it's level of marriage. I'm moralizing at the level of exploitation. Yeah. yeah, but. For me, he the, the the immorality of Bill Clinton and the Clinton administration is what happens to poor people. It's what happens to prisoners. It's what happened in Sudan. It's what ha- you know what I mean. For me, that's far more important than it's him closing down the courthouse doors to prisoners. It's that kind of stuff to right. me more so than you yeah. Know, the side chick thing is dead. just. I just think if you know if you ever want to know how much you love your woman, you know you got to get a little. Side piece. Is, is, is that the strategy? Hey, I'm not, I don't. I'm, I'm not. I'm your not, wife listen to the show. I'm just asking. He's, he's not married. No, not oh, yet. Oh, oh. He's not. Married. And I love my lady. Oh, she's pregnant. Wrote. We're having a baby boy, and and I'm he's so excited. So you're, you're just, yeah, and I'll probably get in trouble it's, for saying it. Is your side piece happy? Is your side piece happy? No, no, no. I'm saying sometimes when you if you have a side piece happy, if you have a cheat on your girl or wife, I'm not saying. And I don't expect anybody to admit. You really after those. You know, two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, you really realize, like, damn, man, I really love my fucking wife. You're fucking up right now. I'm just being real. That's okay. Listen. That's how you appreciate your love, okay? Tell us about uh, books, books, what is it, Books Beyond Bars? Oh, books, yeah, man. You know, what I've been trying to do for the last ten years, you know how I feel about- Books through bars. Books through bars, yeah. You you know how I feel about books, I've been telling y'all. Yes. Much of my work um, in the last ten years has been as a prison activist. I'm I'm a prison abolitionist. I believe Mm -hmm. in the abolition of prisons. Um, Is that going to happen? Um. Is, then, is abolition of slavery going to happen? Right. right. I mean, right. That's true. The, the, everybody said no. Right. right? American economy is built on it. We can't right. end slavery. So I, I try to have a freedom dream that's bigger than the moment. Um, but but for me, part of what I want to do is help prisoners access books. Uh, literacy is what wakes people up. It's yes. what woke Malcolm up, right? It's what woke you up. It's what woke me up through Malcolm, right? Um, and so I, 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 I collect books. I do book drives. I work with organizations like Book Through, books through Bars in Philly and New York. To, I, I try to deliver at least 10,000. Last year was 50,000 books to pri- to state prisons. I'm also a part of uh, Pennsylvania Prison Society, so I go physically go to prison and work with cats, work with prisoners, build with prisoners, study with prisoners. And I'm trying to organize a course to teach uh, in, in, in up, upstate New York prison uh, in the fall. I'm trying to work it out now. It's logistical, but I will be teaching in the prisons at some point between now and 2016. Um, just a regular class, man. We, we got to educate prisoners, man. I would love to be a part of that. I'm a former prisoner. I'm home over ten years. That's what's Never up, went man. back, but I would love to. I've, I've been. I would love to be a part of a. Or I'm gonna do it myself one day. But of a come home, stay home. If you teach these kids how to stay home, yep. like I have, you've been home for ten years now. Ten years, yeah. Oh, welcome home. And, 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 back. and uh, you know, I made a mistake, and uh, you know, um, you know, I just became a better person. But it's not about that. The point is about coming home and staying home, teaching them. Like I, I, I went back for five years and spoke in jails, mm-hmm. and I used to like make the, you know, this uh, point of like. Hey, you know, uh, the food, you like the food here? No, come home and stay home. You like Word. the girls here? I don't see any. I mean, that guy is a girl over there. Come home. Yeah. You know, people like, like, so, you know, come home and stay home. I, when I came home, I remember, like, you know, the parolees, you know, it's like they all went back. Yeah. So coming home and stay home is so important. And if they come home and stay home, there'll be no more fucking jails, man. Did you, uh, did you uh, get a job when you came home? It, it was, I used to work in commodities. It was very hard. I lost That's probably why you went to jail. What kind of? Well, shit, <laughs> no, I didn't go to jail. I went for 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 uh, possession and and yeah, as I'm saying, commodities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Commodity. Well, not that. Not yeah. that. different commodities. <laughs> no, no. But, but it was know. hard for me to get a job again. Getting a job when you come home is key. Having support when you come home is key. Yeah, and that was that's having what family me. when you come home is key. Yeah. And everything they do in prison right now is, for example, the price of prison phone calls. Mm-hmm. Right, 
is ridiculous. So it's and, a billion dollar business. Yeah, and with and, and there's no reason for it, right? If it, they they give you this exotic, you could be in Pennsylvania, you get this exotic. Like when when my brother would call me, Mumia calls me now. He, he, his number just changed. How's he doing, thing. man? Uh, a lot better, okay. a lot better. You know, he he's been sick, but I, he, we talked last night. But for the last five years, he's been calling me from a seven one three number, right? Even though he's on, he's a half hour from from the crib, right? Seven one three. It was a Houston, Houston number, yeah. right? So when I talk to him, it's a long distance call. And they charge in like three, four, five dollars a minute. minute yeah. Nobody pays three. Even everybody got unlimited un- long. It's not like you have to walk to Houston to make the phone call. It ain't like the back in the day in Mayberry where you got a dollar or some shit and the wires got to stretch. They charge you that because they can. They could, in some states it's five cents, in some states it's five dollars. My point is they charge you that just because they can. They exploit the money. But what they do is they they by 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 extension what you end up doing is separating people from their families. Right. The thing that stops recidivism is being in constant contact with your family. Exactly. Having access to education stops you from going back to jail. But they cut master's programs, high school programs, bachelor's programs. They tried to get rid of student loans. And in the 90s, they got even when you were there, probably staff yeah. for loans and stuff, especially for felony drug convictions, were gone. Yeah. Yep. So they, 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 they get rid of education so you can't do it. You already couldn't get a job before you went to jail. Now you, really can't now you come out. Right. Then they get rid of your voting rights. They get rid of your housing rights. If you got a felony yep. conviction, you can't get public housing. So it's designed for you to go back in. Yeah, well, if, you can't, if you can't get a job, get an education, vote, or, or live somewhere, you're not even in. a citizen. Yeah. You're not a person. Right. So my, my goal through Books to Bars and other things is to help humanize, to help uh, stabilize. Uninstu- un- I, I got to say this right. When I say uninstitutionalize people. The institutionalize. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's exactly like right. That's what, that's what you, and that's great. Yeah, that's the work we got to do, man. But ultimately, my work isn't to make prisons better. It's to... To end the prison. Yeah, I got a couple questions yeah, from, from, whatever, from, from Twitter. Whatever you got on Twitter, you know, I take the, the questions on Twitter. Oh, the internet's the, the internet's internet. checking yeah. in. This one is from uh, Yo Brazil. Yo, why he continuously shade Big Boy and then feel shocked <laughs> when he gets called out during the BET Awards? What's that about? Um, you know, Big Boy shit was crazy, man. And what I, is that? I, I wish I, I handled I'm, it differently. I'm totally un- so, first of all, all right. So, what happened was I tweeted. No, uh, no, no, no. What happened? Let me think. Talking about Outcast Big Boy or Radio Big no, Boy? No, Outcast Big Boy. We had a little issue, right? It wasn't really that big a deal to me. I, I, I sort of played myself with it only because of the way I handled it. But I was trying to be a bigger person. Right. So what happened was I, uh, I did a segment on Outkast. And basically what I said was I didn't think – I thought Andre was better than, than Big Boy, which I do believe. A lot of people will say that. Most people believe that. Right. And I think Big Boy can rap. I'm a Big oh, Boy he's fan. Crazy. Right. I'm a Big Boy fan. Right. And when I, I compared them. I said, I said if Andre is LeBron, Big Boy – in terms of hip-hop, Big boy is Chris Bosh. Okay. Right? <laughs> and that might sound crazy, yeah. but Chris Bosh is like a top 15 player course, in the NBA. He's not a top five. I mean, I don't think Big Boy is in most people's top five. Right. He's probably not in most people's top 10. Right. Uh-uh. But he's somewhere after that, right? right. Chris Bosh, he's not a top five player in the NBA. He's probably not top 10, but he's somewhere in that range. Right. Andre tends to be in people's top five. Maybe one. Andre's my number one, two MC. Okay. Right? So that's the context, right? right. So we did that. It played out on Twitter. Uh, I, was, I was tweeting back and forth uh, with Bamani Jones about it. And then well, I was at. Well, Monty will fuck you up, man. He'll get you in some trouble. Man. Yeah, you know that's, he cool people though, man. So oh, that's my boy. Yeah, yeah I like. He's him. been on the show. Yeah, he's a good dude, man. So then I was. It wasn't the BET Awards. It was the um. It was the Outcast show. Okay. And I was at the Outcast show, and I it was actually with my daughter. It was stupid late, uh, and she felt like she fell asleep. I was in a, in a club box, and I tweeted, you know, Big Boy's now doing a solo, and the show was rocking. He killed right. it, right? I said, uh, Big Boy's doing a solo set. Solo set. This is what Bomani. Turns up, and this is where I check my email, right? <laughs> I was clowning, right? Um, I learned a lesson from that, too. So at the end of the show, they doing roses, right? And, you know, you know that ass bitch, yeah. bitch, bitch. And he's like, and at the end, he was just like, Mark Lamont, bitch ass niggas, Mark Lamont Hill, right? <laughs> I'm at the show, like, what the fuck? Right, right. And this is the fucking Staples Center. <laughs> yeah. So my first instinct was, 
was anger. Right. I'm here with my daughter. Yeah, she ain't hear it, but... But I'm here with my daughter. Yeah, and it's the fucking Staples Center. Right. The fucking Staples Center. Everybody 50,000 people in this motherfucker. Yeah. Right? I realize now I heard it more than other people did. Of course. Right? So it wasn't like... It, I, I made it a bigger deal. Right. I took the Twitter. I was like, yo, this nigga just called me a bitch. Wow. But I wasn't saying it wow like I was hurt. I was saying wow like, yo, this, this some... This nigga fuck, really called me a bitch. This some fuck nigga shit. Right. right. And my thing was... I mean, to be, to be honest, my thing was... <laughs> we in the same building. Yes. We gonna be at the BET where I work for BET. If you, if it's an issue, walk up to me. To right. me, it was corny. Right. Right. To shout some shit. That, that's like me yelling across the street, combat jack's a pussy. Right. And then running on the subway. <laughs> that's how I, that's how I looked at it at the moment. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? I was like, well, that's to me, that's corny to yell that shit. And what and it was like, you know, people piping up like, yo, this nigga was they put the spotlight on, he was in the crowd. And <laughs> but nah, nigga, I was upstairs in the box, he was on the stage. Right. And my thing was, it's corny to say that shit. 50,000 feet from me. Right. Just say the shit in front of me. Right. Walk up to right, me and right. say... Bitch ass nigga. Right. If that's how you feel about it right. and then we'll go from there, right? right. And, and, and so that was my my next... That was my response, right? And and I tweeted, I was like, yo, dog, I said... And I said, I tweeted to her, I said, holler at me after the... Sh- if it's a problem... No, I didn't say... I don't, I don't want to say exactly what I said because I don't remember. But it's on the record. I tweeted I'm, it. I'm here. If you, Basically you what I said was, say it, say you, need, to we need, you need to holler at me about right. this. My daughter right. said, yo, that shit ain't cool. Right, 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 that right. Shit, holler at me, right? Right. Um, and then, and so I left my hotel because I, I went back to my hotel. I was staying at the Standard downtown. I went back. To, I went back. Uh, my door. I went back to go look for him. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm mad as shit. Right. right. And, and one of my old heads was like, "Yo, dog, you're like you're 36 years old. You are a leader. You're a public whatever, whatever." About to get into a fight with a rapper. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that shit ain't cool. Like right. what? What the fuck? Who? What the fuck are you doing? Right. That's. So then I was like, and, and then I, I calmed down and I'm like, what the fuck? I, what the fuck am I doing? Right. I mean, like, this shit is stupid. Right. I was still mad, but I was like, what the fuck? I mean, what am I going to I got to explain that to somebody. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, Other than your ego. And you know, it was black, all ego. Black, black, right. Black man's ego. It was black man's ego. Right. And I'm already like, yo, this nigga played me out. Right. I got to respond the way I would respond when I was 25 or 15. Right. And, and nobody's ever called me a bitch in real life. Like, right. Nobody walks up to me and says that shit. Right. And I'm I can knuckle. Right. So I'm like, I'm not scared of this dude. You know what I mean? So. And I don't know him. I've right. never met him. You know what I mean? I don't know him. And right, I right. and the thing is, I like him. I'm cool with you know what I mean. I'm, I like his music. I, I'm a fan. Um, and then I thought about it. I was like, well, he don't have a context. If he feel like I'm calling him Chris Bosch, he might feel like that's a different kind of dick. And I wasn't. It wasn't a dick. But it could be taken anyway. Understood. Out of, out of, and this was especially my, on social media. This is what my old head was saying to right. me in this moment. Right, right. right. And and on top of that, I was like, I'm a little. I'm not like famous like that, but I'm too well known. To um, be engaging like that, to throw no, but to throw shots at people, right? In a different, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm tweeting the way like you, my homies tweet, right? Like, yo, this album is trash. Right. I, I realize now I can't. If I, I buy people's albums. I don't. I only tweet when I like people. I bo- Isn't it amazing, man? The the the, the more you. You 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 rise in this. The more responsibility you have, man. Yes. The more you got to be so careful, right? On social media, you can't talk the way. We're talking in this booth. You know what I'm saying? You can't talk like that. Right. So I'm like, because I'm like, because my homie was like, well, why do you, you call him Chris Bosh? Yeah, right. And they're like, and, he, and he's like, well, yeah. And, and you thought you threw shots at him at the show. I'm like, I didn't think he watched HuffPost Live. Right, right. And I didn't think he would. I, I didn't. See, but everybody's watching. And, and I'm not a troll. It may not be him that watching. Maybe it might some, be his people. Yeah, yeah. But for him to say, I mean, I just tweeted this shit and he's at the show. So this was in like. Some, somebody, damn, got, somebody got it. It was the same show. I was literally tweeting it and the show was over within a half hour. So, <laughs> and I didn't even stay to the end of the show. I left after that, right? Because right. I'm. On, on 10 right. right so so um he was like and and i was like you know what i i get that now and i thought about it for a minute i was like yeah i throw shots out and i was like i don't want this to become stupid right so i tweeted back out i was like you know what i understand how whatever i said basically was like yo i understand how this could be fucked up you know what i mean i shouldn't have tweeted this out but that shit still wasn't cool right, right. whoop de whoop de whoop holler at me right 
but the the Twitter did public ho- did he ever holler at you? No. So this is what happened. So the Twitter public read it as I was like scared, right? Like, oh, this nigga bitchy, and I wasn't on. I wasn't scared. You I was just owning your shit, man. I was actually what I was trying to do was model different behavior for black men. Exactly. And say, all right, I was on ten for a minute. It was like come holler at me, and now I'm like, you know what? I'm cool. But but the world read it like, well, some people read it like. Oh, this dude you got back, played out by back, Big Boy, and then he copped the plea and bitched out. Back that down, right, that right. was the language people used. Like, he copped the plea. And I was like, I ain't backing out of nothing. Like, <laughs> I'm still, you know what I mean? Because the BET Awards was the next night. Right. So I called, who did I call? I think I called, who did I call? I called two friends um, who who had access to him. Um, and, I, and, I, and I hit his manager up. And I was like, yo, at the show, homie was tripping. Like, I just wanted to rap to him real quick. He said, he said, I hit me right back. He hit me back. We talked about it for me. Big boy didn't hit me back. His people hit me back. Um, and then we lost touch, and he never hit me. He never, he never, he never spoke to me. Right. You know what I mean? And uh, that was it. I ain't okay. seen him since. I went to the BET Wars expecting to see him. I was going to walk over to him and holler at him. And people was like, don't do that. He's going to think you're running up. And I was like, I, ain't, I mean, we, yeah. for, one, I ain't scared of nobody. And two, like, we, we, at some point, we got to get past. We got to get past that. Past this violent shit right, as right, black men. Right, right. Period. Not me and him. I mean, I, but, like, I'm still a big boy fan. Yes. I still, I, if they came out with an album tomorrow, I'd buy it. If yes. he bought an album, I would buy it. Um, I ain't got no beef with him. And if I saw him, I would, I would, I'm in Atlanta. He's in Atlanta. I'm sure at some point we'll be in the same place, same time. And I walk over to him and, and say something to him about it because I don't have no beef. Um, it's not it's just, that it's serious. A, it's a misunderstanding. It's, a, it's, it's a, like, nigga, it's, I'm, it's, I'm, thir- I'm a 36 year old anthropologist, yes. right? I'm not. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I wonder what I'm you not, said that. I'm not trying to. I, I, I don't look like having a beef you're with a rapper. You're not trying to scuffle with a big a, a rapper, a, a, any okay, rapper, any, any rapper. But I, if I got beef with somebody, it's gonna be these white supremacists that are trying to kill us. It's gonna yes. be these law, these cops, black and white, that are trying to kill us. Yes. It's gonna be these people that's locking us up in jail. It's not gonna be with my brother, who who I happen to be a fan of. You know yes. what I mean? So it was. I own the fact that. My shots were interpreted a different way of because course. I'm not the same person I was five years ago where I could tweet, yo, this shit is, this album is terrible. You know, so-and-so owe me, owe me $10. Like, I can't tweet that yeah. no more because now when I tweet shit you like that, audience. when it's, I tweet it's, shit it's like impactful. that, yeah, I didn't know I had an audience. Right. So when I tweet shit like that and it goes on XXL or it goes on the source, and they'd be like, so, I mean, I wrote Kendrick's album's classic and XXL did a piece on it. And it's like, I was just talking shit. Like, yeah. I like the album. Yeah. I, I do love that. I do think it's classic, but. I'm just saying, so now, that was my lesson of growing up Got it. in the public eye about Got what it. it means to be public, what it means to be visible, Got it. and what it means to have a responsibility. Yes, and, you know, the only blemish on my record is people saying that big boy shit as far as, like, you know, hood shit. And I'm like, you know, if people really think, like, like he he chumped me, I'm saying, I mean, like... At this point, again, like I, I got, I, you're good. I we can't. Got, we got it. We got it. I ain't worried about that. This is the first time anybody's ever asked me about okay, that. That's okay, why okay, I, I, okay. I haven't. This ain't. I'm just thinking it through myself. I, I ain't worried about that shit, man. One more question, man. From shout out to Big Boy though, man. Holla at me. One, one, one more question from Twitter, man. And and we kind of discussed this, but this is from uh, Mr. Marty Can K A N N. Why do you appear on Fox News? Is it for a check? They do not like us. I don't appear on Fox News. I haven't been on Fox News in three years. But to your question, um, who likes black people? Does mainstream media like black people in general? Do mainstream institutions like black people in general? Do our jobs like black people? Do I mean, I, I don't know any institution that likes black people at the at the love. Justice is what love looks like in public. Right. Right. Justice is what love looks like in public. We ain't got justice nowhere. So don't nobody love us. Um, that's not an excuse to do anything for money and say, well, I got to go somewhere. It's to say that we have to get out of the logic that Fox News hates us and MSNBC loves us. Right. Republicans hate us. The Democrats Republicans hate us, Democrats right. love us. It's not like all these institutions are problematic and corrupt. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we have to do something for ourselves. We have to develop self-love. We have to develop self-care. We have to build our own institutions. We have to do our own work. And Economic until, empowerment. Yeah. 
And until that point, though, as or as we as we do that work, I, I do see value in being a public defender. I'm on Fox News not to convince Bill O'Reilly or the million white racists, but to convince the two million people who are watching who might make a different decision, right. who might vote differently, who might, who, you know what I mean, who might That's treat me differently when they're the judge, giving out years instead of giving, my, uh, giving niggas a trillion years, they might, you know what I mean, give them, give them rest, you know, restitution and rehabilitation. Right. Right, right. You know, there might be a way that I'm talking to somebody. It's the same argument when I taught at a white school. People say, well, why are you not teaching at a black school? It's like, well, because these students I'm training and teaching are going to be judges right. and corporate CEOs. And maybe they'll hire us if they, if they understand this. Maybe they'll understand our struggle differently if they read this Toni Morrison book. Maybe if they read this Du Bois, they'll come to terms with whiteness differently. Right, right, right. You know, it, I think we have to operate in multiple fronts. I don't do anything that's not principled. You know what I mean? That's why Fox came to me. I mean, I could have, I could have denounced Khalid and, 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 and uh, Asada and, and Mumia. Uh, and Mumia. Right. And they would have not, not only kept me, they probably would have wrote me a bigger check. Right. But like, that's not what I'm about. Man. I'm about I'm about the people. I'm about this struggle. Uh, I'm about trying to trying to love black people into a new sense of purpose and understand it and try to struggle with us. Right? Yes, you know, that's, that's what it's about for me. Got it. Yeah. Last question for me, man. What's, what's your top? Who's your top five? <sighs> big boy. <laughs> big boy. <laughs> big boy. Uh, big boy. Big boy. Big boy. Big boy. And Andre yeah. Drew and, and, no, Dylan, for, right? For, for real. Who? Um, Andre. I, yeah, because. If outcast, actually, all jokes aside, if you if you count outcast as a group, right. then then Big Boy is in my top five because I think okay. the work they do together is amazing, of course, and of I think outcast without Big Boy ain't, ain't is not outcast, right? right? But my, my my general top five, I say, is always Andre's always in it. Uh, Nas is always in it. Um, I still think Illmatic is the greatest hip hop album ever ever made. Mm. Um, for me, it's hip hop's Love Supreme. Right. Um, it's hip hop's songs in the key of life. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So Nas, which is actually my favorite album, because Songs Get Life might be the best album of the 20th century. Right. I mean, for all kinds of reasons, right? Um, but uh, uh, did you catch Stevie when he did the tour? I missed it. Oh man, and he was in Brooklyn too. And he was in Brooklyn it. last yeah. week too, bro. But um, so I, I would say um, Andre and Nas for sure, Hove for sure. Yes, uh, it's the last two spots that always fuck me up. Um, it depends on what day you ask me. Uh, it would either it would be Lauren Hill probably. Mm. My challenge of Lauren is just. Consistency. It's just not enough bars, man. Right. I mean, like, you know, we don't. Nobody really loved Blunt it, right? right. And and she got one third of every track on on the score, right. and she didn't really rap on Miss Education like that, right? Um, so, but but it, it would probably actually it, it would be Lauren. No, you know, it would be Jean Grey. Okay, it would be Jean Grey Jean. actually. Jeannie, mm. Jeannie's what up, Jean? Jeannie's the illest man. Jeannie's yes. the illest man. Um, uh, if you're listening, you know. That's she's the homie, man. She she has. I, I was helping her with her, her. She has some vision problems. Okay. I didn't know uh, that. Yeah. I hope you get better with your, with, your, okay. with your vision problems, Gene. Um, but um, and then number five. Uh, number five. Number five. Damn. It would either. I, I, Black thought. Black thought. Mm, yeah. Very good. Black thought. Very yeah. good. Crazy. Yeah. Well, who's your top five? Man. Pete Nice. Nah, nah, Search. Nah. Big debt. No, no, it's not being fucking racist. <laughs> racialist. <laughs> I had to fuck with you once, no, man. It's all good. It's all good. It, Who's it's, your top five, man? Uh, Big Daddy Kane. Jay-Z. Biggie. Brooklyn. A- Eminem. Um, I got you because he, he spoke to me. Okay. He spoke to me. And um, if I had to end it up, it would probably be KRS-1. Yeah, that's a good. So you old school. See, I, oh, and and they vary. Depending, that, and that's why it's tough. Right. I don't like to do top fives. Over. I like to do top fives by era. Right. 
Because, like, it's hard to not have Ice Cube in the top five or Scarface. But it still comes down five. to really who made that impact on your life during those and that's impo- real. important moments. And that's real. Because yeah. you can't really compare people across. It's like sports, right? I right. mean, yeah, Wilt Chamberlain is the best of his era and best maybe ever. But, like, what as would he time, do now? As time passes. Yeah, yeah. what would he do now? Exactly. If you put AI in 1950, he'd, yeah. aver- he'd average yeah. 100 points. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Jimmy Connors would, would, would get his ass whooped by Andre Agassi, yeah, of course, right? Of so course. so it's, I don't like to compare eras. So, right. you know what I mean? Because I'm with you on the, on Kane, Rakim, yeah, Kuji, I mean, Rap. I mean, I mean, all of them. But the thing is, like Combat said, you know, uh, if we ask you this next week, it, it may change. It might be changed. It may, it's, it's always I'm waiting for I'm waiting for Jay Electronica well, Jay Electronica, to be in my top five. No, Elect, Elect was, was the one I was about to say. I was I was like, I can't. I'm I, waiting I, for I can't him. put Elect over, over Black Thought right. or Kendrick over Black Thought until right. they got a bigger body of work. Exactly. But Jay Electronica. Electronica has not put out a song, and that's my homie, man. I cannot wait. Yo, I've been waiting for, yo, Jay, if you listen to this, yo, yo, God. We're waiting for you to etch somebody out, B. Yo, God, Jay's knock somebody homie, out, man, because this dude, I remember in 2011, he was going, he's like, yo, dog, I'm going to, so he wanted me to go out there with the Dogon Chai. He's like, yo, come out to Spain. Yeah. He was an intellectual cat. He's like, yo, we're going to knock his album out. I couldn't make it because he, you know, he, he called me. He's like, come to Spain like tomorrow. Yeah. I was like, I can't. I, I was like, no, I got to teach tomorrow. I can't just go to Spain and shit. <laughs> Six months later, I'm waiting for the album to come out. <laughs> I get a song. And I love this dude, man. I, he just came back from Cambridge not too long ago. Uh, better in tune. He yep. killed it with. Um, the, the We Made It remix yep. last year. He killed it with. Uh, man, yeah, that, I mean, was, that was crazy. Everything. Yo, everything he does, man. Everything, everything. he does is genius, yes. man. Hey, tell him what you call him. What, what do you call Jay? Oh, I call him the uh, rap unicorn. Yo, that's the rap that, unicorn. Yo, he really is. Yeah, he he is the most. In addition to being rare and not popping up, he's also the most original mind yes. I've ever seen in hip hop. The way I said Cornell West, for me, he is hip hop's Cornell West in the way that his mind operates. Mm-hmm. Like, I know. I, I I've sat in the studio with Gene. You know, I've sat in the studio with Qua. I sat in the studio with Most. I sat in the studio with all these people. Black Thought, all amazing MCs. Some of the best I've ever seen. Um. And I've never seen anybody's mind work mm. the way his mind just works differently, differently. than other people. He's on a different plane. Yeah. Now I've seen Gene. Gene was a monster too. I mean, I, I saw one time. Gene is a monster. Joel and and Gene was in the studio writing uh writing his verse for um uh what's that song called something part four and um uh it's gonna come to me in a minute but after Gene dropped the verse they elect was like y'all gotta rewrite my shit <laughs> and Joe Ortiz was like y'all gotta rewrite my yeah, shit yeah I remember that right yeah, yeah 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 um but like in general like elect is is, is is a monster. Monster is a monster, man, and 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 he's bringing something to hip hop that I haven't seen before or heard before. Um, consciousness, yeah, but but not but consciousness, flow, but, but, the but flow, yes, the flow, right. It's, it's like hot, you, man. it's like if you take Chuck D and Sadat X and a little Rakim and Rakim yeah. and a little Kendrick, you know, or, or, you and know a little Jay, a little Jay, and little Jay for sure. Jay, yeah, you put all that together, it's like it's like what the it's like what re- revolutionary art is supposed to look like. Him and Kendrick to me represent the best of revolutionary art of this generation, yes. and I love Cole. I love Big Sean. I love all them cats. But when I when I think about the best possibilities of hip hop, for me, it, it lies in Kendrick. It lies in um, in Electronica. Yes. It lies in Big Sean. It lies in Cole. Uh, I'm so impressed and amazed. And, and and I know we gotta go, man. But I just think about these. I mean, Wale's. No, last, you gotta go. I know. I know that <laughs> you gotta go. I know. It's they, gonna be mad. Yeah. Um. Uh. But like these last albums, man. Wale's album. Like, crazy. Crazy. Yeah, Wale, crazy. That, that, that crazy. This is best work. Crazy. Yeah. Definitely. This is best work. And 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 and, I, and you know somebody somebody was like, yo, why are you saying that? Somebody today said, why? Because I was on NPR okay. yesterday. And they're like, why are you saying that, that J. Cole is one of the voices of this generation? Because he it, is, oh, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Are you, are you crazy? Yo, and I'll tell you something else. When I was in Ferguson, when shit went down, I ain't, talking about, I ain't talking about marching. I'm talking about when shit was popping. Right. The only celebrities down there was, was Kiki Palmer. Mm. <laughs> uh, and that's my girl. Right. Was, was Kiki Palmer, 
J. Cole and Tyler Quali and Tef Poe, right. my man Tef from, Poe, from yes. the Midwest. Yes, yeah, Tef, yeah. Shout out to Tef. That's mm-hmm. my man. We just got back from or Palestine together a couple like a month ago, six weeks ago. But um, as far as like mainstream well-known MCs, it was Cole. It was Qua. That was it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he's a voice of generation because he's not just um, talking about it and rapping about it, which I think he's, we need. He's being mm-hmm. about it. He's on the fucking ground, yeah, man. Exactly. He's doing what Harry Belafonte was exactly. doing. Exactly. That's what I'm talking and about. And he's creating his own blueprint. Yeah. Um, I don't have no more questions, but I do want to tell you this. Uh, growing up, like uh, for me at least, you know, uh, street smart, book smart, but more so street smart. And, uh, you know, being being smart really wasn't like uh, cool. cool. And uh, I really want to just commend you, not only for young black men, uh, ju- just men in general that like, go, like, like you know, I grew up addicted to fresh, but you like I tell my daughter all the time. Like, yo, don't ever be afraid to be smart. Because, like, you know, Word. kids go to school. They don't want to be, say, you know, Word. like, I, I don't want to see kids want to be stupid, but they don't want to be smart, some of them. Yeah, be yeah, smart, yeah. You know, like, the, like, 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 you know, the Asian get all the high scores and they make fun of them. Yeah. Nah, that's well, dope. Well, they all don't get the high scores. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be racist, but I'm just saying. Real talk? Nah, I commend you so much. Uh, just for being like making smart look so fucking dope, man. Well, thank you, brother. Well, most of not to me, man. Really, it does, man. Very good. Sir. And thank you again for having me, man. Thank this you has been so an much. honor, man. You have no. But this is my favorite interview of all time. I'm not even really? just saying that. Thank you. First of all, because on TV you can talk for five minutes, of man. And when I at Post, I get to talk for sometimes a half hour, forty five minutes, but it ain't about me. Right. You ask me shit I ain't never been asked before. I get to talk, think about shit. You got man. a little heated too, man. Yeah, I, like man. That. I like that. I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I got to play it back, man. I might, <laughs> <laughs> might get fired. Call, call from me. No, no, no. You're not. You, you good. All right, man. You no, good. But, oh, man, look. Internet. Internet. Dr. Mark Lamont Hill. Thank you so very Thank much. Thank you, son. brother, man. Peace to everybody. God yes, bless sir. y'all. You know what it is. Dream those dreams and then man up and live those dreams because a life without dreams is black and white and the universe flows in technicolor and surround sound. Blow. Internet. H-U. H-U. We see you. Mark Lamont Hill. Chit chit. Yo, shout out to Dr. Mark Lamar Hill for stopping by the Combat Jack show. It's your boy A-King, you know what I mean? And keeping the tradition with the Philadelphia situation, you know what I mean? We got a new joint from my dude, P.U., a.k.a. Pretty Ugly, a.k.a. The Boy Papes. It's called Beauty and the Beast. Philly, Philly, what up? Let's get it, P.U. Now with my gun like she got a small nose but a big mouth She's great for going on route or just to have in your house She only weighs five pounds and only holds six rounds I know the clips do the trick, but rubber grips do my shit now The shells don't fall out, they stay in until I'm all out I love my gun, I'm recommending that you get you one A tray pound with a speed loader, one shot can stop an engine motor Imagine a feeling if you catch it sober One time I shot too quickly, the bitch kicked me So I left the four o'clock fifty, but I remember it all the time Times that she bucked with me and stuck with me, rode on the bus with me, visited sluts with me. There's no way I wouldn't take her, and so I take her everywhere that I go to every show and every video. We make a lovely couple, always have and always been. I can't wait to find her twin. So get out the way when you see me round your ways. Ain't nobody gonna survive with that thing. Ain't no ducking and hiding, my girl riding. We gon' tear through the block and let that thing. Make a move, cause my girl act a fool. You don't want her to lose your cool, cause she a. So if you 
if I'm riding by, I gotta ride by my side. Now I let her fly just like that. Now this girl's my favorite. She's kinda tall and got a big butt. Her rubber grip, plus she pumped up. Her name is Rump Shaker, and she's my best money maker. When I ain't high, my pockets are dry, she get that paper. What more could I ask for? The bitch is a beast. She'll hit you in your arm, you feel a pain in your feet. She was a virgin when I met her. I pulled her fresh out the box. Bought her off an of ex-cop for a dub and a dime rock. Best money I could have ever spent. My homies was jealous. When I left town to buy some pounds, I let her play with the fellas. I came back, she was kicking and clicking, shaking and twitching. They banged her for three days. And left the land in the kitchen I put her in the trash bag Took her to the crib fast Grabbed some fresh shells, some new oil and a clean rag She cleaned up in no time And oh, she looks so fine With a body like that in six months I have a gold mine So get out the way when you see me round your ways Ain't nobody gonna survive when that thing Ain't no ducking and hiding My girl riding We gonna tear through the block and let that thing Make a move, cause my girl act a fool You don't want to lose your cool, cause she a So if I'm riding by, I got her right by my side Now I let her fly just like that Now of course I can't forget my triplets My murder mommies, they my 22s I got the automatic revolver and the rifle too Found these three doing a B&E out Woodbine In the basement in a brown box in back of a black shoe time The rifle came with an infrared and a scope just like the cop kind I used to climb the roof and target practice with the stop sign The other two are real freaks, you could get them on the streets cheap For an ounce of that good green or the ball of that white beast Their bark ain't that big, but they bite is really something else I seen them work, you know they hurt, seen how the people felt No games, at close range, every bullet going up in you Hiding inside your tissue, places doctors can't get to So get out the way when you see me round your ways Ain't nobody gonna survive when that thing Ain't no ducking and hiding, my girl riding We gon' tear through the block and let that thing Don't make a move, cause my girl act a fool You don't wanna lose your cool, cause she a So if I'm riding by, I gotta ride by my side Now I let her fly just like that This episode of the Combat Jack Show was produced by Jonathan Menner Executive produced by A. King and Chris Morrow engineered by Samir Karan and recorded in the Engine Room Audio Studio in downtown Manhattan. This is an official Loudspeakers Network's production.